and and I was like, but I did get my feet slapped and had a vagina <laughs> steam. And now I just want you to look at my sinuses and see what you think. And he looked and he was like, I mean, they look perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm turning on my crystal <laughs> heating pad with the PEMF thing that I think is in direct opposition to whatever I'm doing right now, whatever frequency, <laughs> whatever frequencies are being used. But I'm so, look, it has the infrared. It's beautiful. It's really pretty. It's whatever, purple stones, I guess. <laughs> Um, on the Goop gift guide for people who are fancy as fuck. But this was a really extravagant birthday present from BFF Michelle Williams to me. And I think that she felt like at the time I really needed, oh no. <laughs> you know, this past summer I just needed like to heat up my body with some crystals <laughs> and just um, and relax. I think she felt like yeah. I needed some crystal healing on my body. But I mean, as far as like what its properties are and what it purports to do and like all that stuff, like I can't speak to any of that. It's just like a heating pad. It's like a giant <laughs> heating pad. And I feel like if you just bought like three heating pads from Bed Bath & Beyond and laid on top of them and then like put some crystals around you, you the same effect would be had. <laughs> no I shade can... to the mat, but you know. Yeah, yeah. I can vouch for the heating pad. When I worked at Watch What Happens Live, our office was so cold that I went down to the drugstore and bought a heating pad to sit on in my chair. And I know everybody was like, oh my God, this old ass lady that works with us, like all these young people, but pretty soon people were asking, can I sit on your heating pad for a couple <laughs> minutes? Wait, remember when I had, when I was like, when busy tonight was, we were launching it and I was getting over my sinus surgery and like all that stuff. And I went to the Ayurvedic doctor lady and she was like, your butt must always be cold. And I was like, my butt <laughs> is always cold. And she's, and I was like, that's so weird. Cause it's such like a weird thing to have to be your thing. <laughs> yes. But my ass is always frozen and she's like and I bet you're always sweating from on your face like from your head and I was like I am always sweating on my face and she's like you have too much heat up top girl like we have to drag the heat down into your lower extremities and so she did a bunch of stuff and poured oil on my head for a week and gave me like a really really hot foot baths with ginger in them and like slapped the bottom of my feet and like all this stuff and for a solid like month, my butt was not cold. Oh, <laughs> well, we should talk about all of this with our guest, Dr. Seema Yasmin later. Oh, Epidemi yeah. I know we CNN's should. Epidemiologist, Dr. Seema Yasmin. But right now, you know what we should do? Hmm. Say what this podcast is. Hi, guys. Welcome. It's Busy Phillips is doing her best. I'm joined, as always, by my dear, sweet Shantira Jackson and Casey St. Ange. Yes, Hi. I just looked at your names. Hello. What's wrong with that? You just, I didn't want to make a mistake. You wanted to double check. <laughs> Honestly, the people that I fuck up their names the most are the people that I know the best. That is my biggest fear when I 
introduce people oh. is is the terrifying. Will I? Because here's the thing: when you're close with people, you rarely say their names out. That's loud. right. That's right. Thank you, Shantara. Like, you're not a narcissistic asshole. It's just you it's, don't it's say their name. Like if, if I hang out with you all the time, how often am I just being like busy? busy. I would like right. to talk to you now. So <laughs> there's nothing more terrifying for me. Um, RIP bars hanging out in the middle of them. But when I used to like be in bars and like I'd be like, oh, my friend such and such is here. Uh, me like I like get so nervous. Panic. So what my my trick was always to be like, do you guys know each other? And right. then they would do it themselves. There you go. I know. I, that's so funny. That's such a shared trait. I have major name panic. Yeah. And I feel like it's really, it's a thing that a lot of people have. And like, do you want to know the meanest thing that they ever did to us on Cougar Town? What? what? Cougar Town was, by and large, the most generous, loving work environment like so fantastic. I loved it. I'm prefacing all of this because I'm what I'm about to tell you is I felt like so mean. But it was like a big network sitcom, you know, so it had mm-hmm. a, like when we were talking with Dwayne last week. It was like 14 writers maybe in the writers room. Mm-hmm. I think it was season 2. Was it season two? I can't remember. They were like trying to do a thing with like digital content. It was like the early days of digital yeah. content for shows. And somebody thought it would be fucking funny if they brought in all the actors and then stood all of the writers in a line and asked us to name them. No. Yes. Okay. Here's, I mean, I take umbrage for so many reasons, but number one, Hollywood break, um, writers start working together months before actors get on set, right? Yeah. And... Not only are they spending most of the day talking about you and your character, like they're spending all their time with each other and blah, 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 blah. So, but you're also, there's also five of you or whatever. And there's like 14 of them and you're never in the room with them. You're on set. You get a a script with their name on it. writer, Hollywood break, like also depending on what level writer you are, you will never meet those actors. <laughs> so, I mean, every set, I will say like every set is different and we definitely like writers were on set. They were doing their thing, but you meet them like also, once, like a hardcore meeting. Yeah. And then it's just like, like casual drive by highs. For most people, like if you're also, especially like if you're just an, if you're just an actor on the show, if you're not like an actor producer, you know, like mm-hmm. you're not having a ton of, if you're not an actor who, is like such a big deal that you go in ahead of the season and the writers all talk to you about what's happening the next season. You know, like that happens Hollywood break sometimes when people are really big stars, even if they're not producers, they get to like go in and the writers will tell them what journey their character will be up to for the next year. Right. But anyway, they thought it would be like real fucking funny to tape us. It was so fucked up, especially because um, I have name panic, which just in that moment, like could my brain could not have gone blinker. And 
And then I was like, I got like angry about it for a minute afterwards because I was like, yeah, why don't they come on set and name all of A camera operators and A camera assistants and B camera, you know, because those are the guys like you spend all day with those people. So, you you know, as an actor, you know, all those people, all the people on set's name. Right. Right. Anyway, it was wild. I had major name panic and I sobbed hysterically afterwards. Um, But I did get like I did get like 10 of them. Right. Well, <laughs> okay. For, for say by the bell, there's like 13 or 14 of us. And, uh, the stars of that show were really good about coming up and saying hi. Number one, because they knew we like wanted to fucking meet Elizabeth. Like I wanted to meet. That's Betsy. the deal. Like, right? you know what yes. I mean? Like yeah. it's one thing if it's like, and then the students, they're the, the stars. They're stars. The, the, yeah. They're stars. But then the people, the, the actors who played the students are like, we call like my baby. They're like, 19 yeah so they were like this was some of their first shows so they were like this is the writer's room like they cared <laughs> you know? oh, that's so funny. They, like, yeah, they were like this is my first show who are you so like we know all of those babies and stuff but i think that that's really hard because we spend so much time together and we go down there for our like the episode you write you'll go down there right for sure talk to them but like like i said before it's people i've known for 10 years and well, also, by the way, not bar, during COVID now. Yeah, not FYI. during COVID. But right. like, it's people I've known for 10 years. And then we get in a bar. I have two whiskeys and somebody comes in that I had one class with. I'll freak out. I'll be like, uh, you guys know each other? Uh, so I couldn't imagine. <laughs> Since we're doing so many Hollywood breaks, I should Hollywood break and say this is totally uh, the way a sitcom works. is totally different than a talk show because a talk show, the writers all work very closely with the star of the show. Yeah. Unless usually. not always, though, Kate. Casey. Not always. But I've usually. heard tales. I have heard tales. Well, you know what? It usually starts off with We all know who we're talking about. (laughs) It usually starts off with the writers in the host's office every day, and then eventually the host becomes very over it in year seven and um, just is like, keep those guys out of here, and then never talks to them again. Yeah, you got to get in there when the show just starts if you want to have your name right. Yeah. Well, Busy, you always got our name right. All three of us. <laughs> well, we all have weird names too. So, I mean, yeah. I think that we're particularly sensitive because we have we all have unusual names. So we've been like, I don't want to say a victim of being called the wrong thing or oh yeah, one hundred percent a victim. Yeah, one hundred percent a victim. What? I my neighbors my whole entire life would call me Kelly, Stacy, Lacey, whatever. They would call me anything but Casey, and I was always really sensitive to it. But then also, like sometimes my mom would call me Tracy, and I was an only child. <laughs> okay, that's insane. But like, that's actually insane. That's wild. That's why. But she was a teacher and, you know, so it's just like, and now I can honestly picture calling my own people in my family the wrong name. So, you know. I do, I do that shit all the time. I've only, call- you, you guys know I'm a boundaries bitch, but there's only one time where someone got my name wrong and I just like let it happen. So, <laughs> and it was my barber. <laughs> in Chicago, it was like this old black man. And I was like, I just like really need my haircut. And then like a year in, one day he was like, yeah, Shanitra. And then I just went, I'm just going to leave it alone. And then I like, I just didn't correct him. He cut my hair. I said hi to him. And like, he just really thought my name was that for like, I probably still now. He cut my hair for two years. He's probably so proud of you, Shanitra. I know. 
<laughs> but he's the only person. He's the only person because I I went and got my haircut, and then like just one day, I'm talking like a year in, he was like, "Isn't that right, Shanitra?" And I was like, "Wait." It's too late. Oh, no. It's I too would late. Like, He's probably wait, like seeing you on TV and being like, they're saying Shanitra's name wrong. I'd be like, yeah, you know what? Like, Just it's so it. weird that she had to change her name her for name Hollywood. For television. <laughs> yeah. Busy let Matthew McConaughey call her whimsy. You know that I let Matthew McConaughey call me whimsy. It still is like Michelle still will call me whimsy to this day. That's really um, funny. But you guys, I have a crazy story, too, that I don't think I've ever told about when SoulCycle first... Oh, SoulCycle, Soul turns out, has been very controversial in recent... Not doing their best, turns out, in recent... I don't even know which one, but I know that Well, they it's just like... I don't know. There's just like a bunch of shit. And you know, my yeah. assistant, Raymond Padilla, uh, worked at SoulCycle. So occasionally when we're on the phone, he'll fill me in on whatever the Daily Mail goss is. Yeah. But... When it first opened in L.A., I was, like, one of the first people in the door, mainly because I had gotten 10 free classes from SoulCycle themselves to That's go try it you. out. That's how they That's get you. That's how they get you. And I had taken, like, I didn't know any of the teachers, and it was sort of, like, before I had found Angela, who became, like, my SoulCycle guru, who also is, like, the Beyonce and Jay-Z teacher, Ooh. and now has her own uh, spin training place called Army, and she's amazing. But anyway... Um, I would go to this one teacher that I liked a lot, but she's very hyper and it was like a whole thing. And, but I felt like I was going enough that I was like, we were getting to know each other a little bit, you know, like a hi, how you doing? Oh, you look good. Good. You're feeling good. Whatever. And one day as I was leaving class, she's like, I didn't play your song. I'm so next time. And I was like, okay. I just thought she meant like a song that I really enjoyed, right? Um, you already, Shantira is already feeling I what just, the ending I want to know. I'm waiting to hear who she's okay. I'm so excited. So, so, then, so then a couple weeks later, whatever, another class. And then as I was leaving, she's like, you're looking really great. I just have to say like, you are just really taking to this. You look great. Are you uh, training for tour again? And I was like, I'm, I'm what? I'm not, no, I'm doing a show here right now. Like Wait, still can trying I, can to. Can I guess? Can I guess? Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. I'm going to guess. Can we both get a guess? I'm going to yeah. go with maybe she thought you were, wait, does she think you're pink? That's, that was my guess or Natalie Maines. And then she said, all right, well, Alicia, see you later. She thought I was pink. She thought I, I was pink. It. I knew it. I knew <laughs> it. She called me Alicia and then. I, and I was just like, okay, bye. Like, I never went back to her class. I just never went back. Because uh, I just thought, well, I don't even know how to recover from this. And, like, she's going to okay. be so embarrassed. Here's the thing, though. If you're going to get confused with somebody. Yes. I mean, she's pink. Yeah, pink not just somebody. I'm talking about best. somebody's body. Pink is a good option. Great. <laughs> right, but did you clock the part where she said that I was starting to look good? Was I back in training <laughs> to go back on tour? She clearly was like, whew, what happened pink to pink? Lost it. <laughs> from those, uh, from those you, aerials to now. And you know what? I have never, ever thought you looked like pink ever. Like I've never thought about I get it. it all but the like time. when you just said it, I was like, there's only one person I can think of right now who this could yeah. be. I don't know why, but I feel really good about that for myself. I feel really good about it for you, too. That's who it was. That's a fun one. I think that that's cool. <laughs> I like it. I never am offended. You know, I get a lot of people. Here's what I'm going to say. 
I do get a lot of people online saying, mm-hmm. everyone tells me I look exactly like you. That's, yeah, but they be lying, and though. They don't be looking like you. They'll be like, here I am, biz, like doppelganger to Busy Phillips. I can't go two days without someone stopping me in the street and asking me if I'm Busy Phillips. And I'm like, lady you, I mean, Busy, you can code go two days without somebody asking you if you're busy. <laughs> you mean to tell but me these people can't? <laughs> I know. I'm not kidding you, though. Like, people really will, like, go that hard on how much they look like me. And then you look at the picture and I'm like... I mean, are you loud? Like, is that why people think that you're, do you talk a lot and laugh loudly? Because other than, I can't imagine what else well, they're seeing. Well, for me, it is, well, I'm not, I'm not there yet, right? People saying that I, they look like me, but I do get confused with like any black girl with a check mark on Twitter and a fade. <laughs> They'll be yeah. like, you're this person, right? And I'll be like, the whole we got a whole different face we're just a completely different shade of brown from each other why do you think we're the same person and it's it's really funny (laughs) in regular times just around like a tv set or whatever people are just so eager to see someone if people are in la or they're on like a tv set or a movie set they're just so eager to see someone when i worked for rosie people always were like bobby brown one time was like are you rosie's sister and i was like (laughs) No, I'm not. But people ask me that a lot. And he was like, I understand why you want to keep it private. And I was like, I'm not. He's like, I'm really, it's really not happening. I, I love that Bobby was like, yo, you can keep it. But we're cool. We Wait, you guys, but I it. also have been the victim, the victim of the very opposite thing. Irene Newirth was um, like witness to. So once I re- we were on an airplane and the flight attendant was like, you just, I know you. Do you take this brutal? I was like, we don't know each other. Do you, I know that? Wouldn't stop. Wouldn't stop. Wouldn't stop. Finally, I was like, okay, well, I am, I'm an actress. And he's like, yeah, I know you because you're famous. <laughs> like mocking me. And I was like, I'm not saying that you would know me because you're the one who's been asking me for 10 minutes. Why <laughs> who I am? Who I, like why you know me and like, like, so it's easier for you to think that I just take the exact same route that you're on all the time than for me to just tell you that I might be on, like, in, like, a movie that you've probably seen or a TV show that plays on this fucking plane. <laughs> like, are you kidding? So anyway, Irene couldn't stop laughing because he was so mean to me about it. And uh, and then another time, it was also airport related. I was on like a people mover in Washington, D.C. And this girl was like, we know each other. I think we went to college together. And I was like, mm, I don't think we did. And she's like, no, I'm, I'm positive we did. Told me the college. I was like, that's not, it's not possible. I'm from Los Angeles. I went to Loyola Marymount University. And she's like, well, then how do we know each other? And then I was like, okay, look, I, you know, I've been on TV shows and stuff. I'm an actor. And she was, and she rolled her eyes and was like, Ugh, get a load of you. And I was just like, <laughs> I can't. You literally are asking me how you know me. I am sorry that my answer is not good enough for you. I am yeah. sorry. When I first started dating my husband, this doesn't have anything to do with being recognizable or famous. He was like, ugh, I got to tell you something. And I was like, <laughs> what? And he was like, I went into like the the cafeteria and I saw you at a table. So like I came up and like squeezed your shoulders, but it wasn't you. <laughs> it was this girl that's in one of our classes, Mary Beth Mooney. But in my defense, 
she does kind of look like you from behind. And I was very irritated. I was very <laughs> heated. And I was like, I do not like no shade to Mary Beth Mooney, but I do not look like a thing like Mary Beth Mooney. And he was like, well, I must not have looked closely. I apologize. I'm sorry. I was still like, you know, very salty about it. Later that day, we were headed to a concert in Boston. It was like nice weather out. We were in the car <laughs> I together. I already like where this is going. <laughs> we were on the highway, stuck in traffic with the windows rolled down. A Jeep of full of young men rolls up next to the car and the guys in the Jeep start going, Mary Beth! No. <laughs> Mary Beth Mooney! <laughs> and my husband was like, see, you do look like Mary Beth Mooney. <laughs> That's so fun. You guys, I love all these lookalikes stories <laughs> i do too i think it's funny you know mark has a couple doppelgangers and uh the most recent one was like this italian pizza maker at a pizza place that opened in los angeles r.i.p uh pre-covid what was the name of that place but he really looked like mark and i kept trying to surreptitiously take a picture of him in the kitchen <laughs> and then there's another chef that looks like mark who I would see occasionally, and that guy is fully tatted. And that's where I got the idea that I thought Mark should probably have neck tattoos. Mm. <laughs> he didn't go for it. He didn't go for it. Didn't Mark go for does it. have a chef vibe. He makes good stuff, and he, like, dresses well. I don't know I why, like, but it, it's like he, he always looks like he could, like, bring out a nice app and ask you how you're doing. I think, <laughs> honest to God, I think he would be so much happier career-wise if he was not, like writing and directing movies and instead was chefing. Yeah, somewhere. I mean, I would take it. I didn't know that I was going to get real sweaty in my pits. Thankfully, I have found a new natural deodorant. It is now my new fave. It really works. It's called Each and Every. I love it. It's simple, clean ingredients. It goes on smoothly. My tween uses it, and I feel good about that because... It's clean ingredients. Um, and I have tried lots of other natural deodorants. And I think each and every is genuinely real good. I like the scents. I love the lavender and lemon. It's uh, natural essential oils. It's not too like perfumey because they're essential oils. It just smells good. It's not overpowering. It's very silky smooth. It's very great on my very sensitive skin. And... You know I love supporting a company that was founded by women and designed for all genders to use. You know who else is using Each and Every? Mark Silverstein. Anyway, Each and Every is vegan, cruelty-free, sustainably sourced, even down to their new eco-friendly plant-based packaging. Listen, we want to be healthy. We want to help the planet be healthy. You're going to go for each and every for your deodorant. I really promise you, you're going to love it. We know you're going to love each and every. We want to share it with you. Make sure you check out their limited edition gift sets and bundles now. Maybe I'll put that on my wish list and take advantage of our great offer for our listeners, 30% off your first purchase. So go now to eachandevery.com slash best and use promo code best. Remember, if you want to get 30% off, use promo code best best at eachandevery.com slash best. Your pits will thank you. Stress, sleep, recovery. 
whether it's in the gym or long hours at work, these are the things that shape how we perform. I know that, listen, if I don't get enough sleep, I'm not great at work the next day. And I really want to be able to work out as well. But if I'm not, if I haven't had enough recovery, same, can't do it. One thing that I've recently added to the daily routine, it's helped make a noticeable difference, is new calm. Uh, it's imperative to your health and your happiness to be able to manage stress and not be managed by stress. So new calm, it is. Thanks. I agree. It gives you the power to control, Ooh, um, to relax and recharge anywhere, anytime. You get to own the day with new calm. It's the only stress management system of its kind. It's clinically proven in over 1 million sessions to improve your sleep, reduce your stress, and boost your recovery without drugs and side effects. I'm scared of taking like sleeping pills and stuff like that. I don't do it. The new calm system uses cutting edge neuroscience and consists of three non-invasive yeah. and non-pharmaceutical items, all of which are included in your monthly subscription. And your monthly subscription costs less than a daily cup of coffee. So the whole process is very easy to use and to work into your daily routine. And it will help you achieve better sleep and a reduction in stress and a boost in your recovery. So do what we did. Own the day with Newcom. We have a special link set up specifically for our listeners. You go to busynewcom.com and get 50% off your 30-day subscription of Newcom and their money-back guarantee. I love a money-back guarantee. That way you know people are serious. So that's B-U-S-Y-N-U-C-A-L-M dot com. B-U-S-Y-N-U-C-A-L-M dot com. Um, well, Shantira, what are you doing your best at? What am I doing my week? best at? Um, I keep doing this thing where I, I obviously I didn't invent it where like I touch it once. Like when I open an email, I like do the thing that the email asked me to do. Wow. I wow. Wow. Have, I'm in awe right now. I'm yeah, trying to, impressive. I'm trying to finish the year out by like touching it once. When I open it, I do it because what's been happening during pandemic 2020 is I touch it. And then I don't never do it. <laughs> so on <laughs> these last few weeks, I really have been diligent about opening an email, whatever. If I have a, um, a writing assignment, if I have to respond to an email, if I have to do a self-tape for something that I probably won't book, I do it immediately. So that, I've been feeling really good. Um, last night, I finished everything because usually I'll finish stuff and it'll be like midnight. But last night I finished everything at eight, so I'm proud of myself. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Casey, what about you? Other than that, like weird orb next to you, the light orb. <laughs> it's just a light. Um, okay, so you guys know that I've been working on this job that is like a job job, you know, like yeah. a, a regular temp job. I call them money jobs. Money job. Yeah. And um, but there had been a project pre-pandemic that I was ex I was really excited about and it kind of went away like with the pandemic and, you know, for good reason. The, the reasons were good, but I still was kind of sad because I was excited to work on it. And like this week it kind of came back. And mm -hmm. um, so I was really excited to sort of try to jump into that and make it work with the other job. But what was kind of amazing is... Um, 
we were going to have a meeting and uh, there was a need for me to record the meeting to make mm-hmm. sure that I took down like everything that was being said in the meeting. So I looked on my um, voice memo app on my phone, which I never, ever use. And I found like a two minute phone message from my older son, like last year or something. I don't know how it got there. I found a message from Lincoln when he was 10, which just like broke my heart because it was so (laughs) sweet and cute. And then there was like a 90 minute recording on there. And I was like, what is this? What? I don't even know what this is. And I pressed, it wasn't labeled and I pressed play on it. And it was me interviewing Joan Rivers for a (gasps) magazine and I ha- I didn't know that it existed still. Like the article came out lo- obviously like years ago, um, it, but it was just like I didn't even listen to the whole thing. I just listened to. I pressed play. I said hi, Joan. She said hi, my sweetheart. And then I just hit pause and I couldn't listen any further. <laughs> but I was just so happy because it kind of like just reminded me of so many things that I was like you know, it was kind of like a penny, like, oh, I'm on the right path. That's so cool. It was Use a, your iCloud, it, y'all. It was, a, <laughs> it was, a, it was like a, from, it was a ghost penny. Yeah, yeah, it really, yeah, it really was. And it was so nice. And like, in a lot of ways, it was like the original podcast for me, yeah. you know, like, it. I mean, it wasn't a podcast, but it was like the first time I ever really interviewed anyone and it was just this person that like meant so much to me and it was like it was kind of wonderful that's really cool yeah that yeah it's really special well listen if anyone ever cancels on the podcast maybe we can just edit us asking questions what, to Joan into what that. magazine was it for do you it remember was like truly you know how in New York sometimes you know like a wealthy person who's like parent is like what do you want to do with your life maybe you have a magazine like I think oh, it was yeah. like that so it was like a glossy comedy issue of some magazine that was probably only one issue that's fun that's yeah. really amazing yeah it was really nice and it just I'd was love like, to hear it I will I'll send it to you not going to lie, very invested in Lincoln's voicemail. <laughs> I will send that to you as well. I also kind of want to hear 10-year-old Lincoln. That sounds real cute. Here's the thing. No shade to Joan. I fucked with her. But that is my son. And I would love to hear a 10-year-old, a 10-year-old message from him. That sounds cute as hell. Sorry. It sounds like it's going to be amazing. <laughs> it was very cute. Wait. Casey's frozen. At first, so. I thought I was frozen. Because that happens to me sometimes. That light is really distracting, I have to say. <laughs> Doesn't it look like a ghost portal? Yeah, it's 100% I'm going to take a picture ghost. of it so it we can put it. It 100% looks like a ghost. <laughs> it looks like a ghost, but it's like not even a ghost. It looks like a ghost portal. All right, I took it. I mean, this is terrifying. <laughs> um, she's Should been be taken through the ghost portal. Sorry, I lost you guys. Where'd you, you go? Froze. Into that portal, internet. the ghost portal next to you? <laughs> yes, I went into the ghost just, sucked all the internet. I went into the light, Carolyn. Don't go into the light, Carolyn. <laughs> I do not get this reference. What is that from? Who's Carolyn? What? Poltergeist. Oh, absolutely. I would never oh, watch okay, that. Okay, okay. I will yeah. never watch that. Uh-uh. Well, I don't even think I've ever seen it, but I did yeah. know it. I do know what Carolyn is. No, no, no. <laughs> um, now, now I know. I will never watch that. I'm. Ah, uh, no, thank you. Is that the one with the two girls in the hallway? No, that's The Shining. Not going to watch that either. 
Uh, I did watch The Shining when I was in high school, but it was really just to make out with a boy and that happened too. So I mean, yeah. that's good. That means that, yeah, I can't, I, I, I don't really dream. Like obviously everybody dreams, but like, I don't remember. Like I just like wake up and I like had a room cycle. But if I watch a scary movie, I will have very vivid, detailed nightmares. So um, really? yeah, I, I went and saw I Am Legend. And I just thought it was going to be um, Will Smith just like doing Will Smith shit. And, not about um, John Legend. No, it's not. I don't. So, is that a horror movie though? I don't think that's a horror it's movie. It's not a horror movie. That's why I agreed to go to it. But even... there's like, there is a scene in that movie where he uh-huh. like, his dog runs into a building. I don't and like there's it. like a bunch of like. Anything with a dog, I'm like upset it, about. Like the dog runs into the building and basically, I don't remember. It's like all these like kind of basically like dead zombies are Ew. like punched together in a in a room Ugh. and it's terrifying spoiler alert i don't guys care. i don't like zombies years. i'm gonna go out so, on a limb and say that no no also like full disclosure like if somebody was if people are always like zombie apocalypse what are you doing hopefully dying i do not want to participate i yeah, don't want to forage for food i don't I think wanna, i would live I don't. I think I would live i would not want to if we're just you asking, would be like complaining the whole time I would hope to die. I would hope. To I know, be one and of the that would be, people. and everybody around you would just be like, "This is so annoying." Because, like, yeah, she just <laughs> keeps like, living. It's like people are like, "Let's drive through the zombies. Let's figure out a way to live underground." I don't want to do none of that shit. I want to be in the grocery store, and I want to be a part of the first wave. I want to be like the they come in and they kill all the people in the grocery store, and then everybody like in the back in the stock room is like, "Oh no!" I want to be dead. I want to be out. I think you might feel differently <laughs> if the zombies were upon you. I mean, I'm so- Shantira. Not even to be, but like, what is this? You know what I mean? I was just going to say, we are like, living in, we these are in a zombie apocalypse right now. Right yeah. now. Masked people coming toward you being like, oh, yeah. I want to talk in your face. I'm going to spit in you. When, I'm going to spit at you when, and give you this thing. That's how I know that I can't be in the zombie apocalypse. Right now, I could just like go to Krispy Kreme. <laughs> right? right? It's worth staying alive for. I can just Go get sushi or somebody might make me a burger. I can go to Wendy's. I could go to Wendy's right now. Zombie apocalypse. Everything that I enjoy ain't going to be no new TV. Who's going to well, run we don't electricity? Know. I don't but know. Don't, I want to die. I want to pass. I want to pass. Again, I, we don't know the tr- reality of the zombie apocalypse because <laughs> it, hasn't, <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Maybe, let me ask you maybe this. Wendy's stays open. You know what I mean? I was going to say, let me ask you this. Suppose yeah. there's a zombie apocalypse, but it's not yeah. like we see in the movies. The zombies are dead and they're rotting, uh-huh. but they're not trying to kill you per se they're just working their drive through job at wendy's okay here's the thing <laughs> and they're just like, if, if, if there's a zombie apocalypse and we figure out a way to make zombies a part of society where they have to fucking work i hope we all die if there's a zombie apocalypse it should not be no more bills if it's a zombie apocalypse and i still gotta pay bills but no i'm telling you there's gonna be a fucking zombie apocalypse and they're still gonna come after you for your college yeah like it's like if if there's a zombie apocalypse we all gotta be debt free (laughs) what if your girlfriend becomes a zombie and she's and she's like i want to make it work yeah, and she's just like <laughs> still great, still you know amazing, what this is? but also you know what like this is? a zombie. You guys, you guys are 
girlfriend. That's girlfriend's <laughs> questions. Where it's like, if I was a tree and you were a bird, would you still love me? That's a girlfriend question. That's all wild nonsense. So you just asked me a girlfriend question about my girlfriend. That shit's crazy, y'all. Those are crazy questions. Oh, if okay, wait. Let's just think. If I died and I Patrick Swayze back and I came back as a butterfly and you were a flower, would you stay open for me? And it's like. I'm trying to go to bed. What is this? <laughs> what if, if I say no? Are we in a fight? Cynthia, <laughs> here's what I feel like the situation is. I feel like you want to survive that first initial wave that kills everyone, and then like as the zombies are eating all those people, and but you survived because of your skills and your survival <laughs> skills. I think you want to then step into the fray of zombies while you're saying, I just want you to know that this is my choice. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I, I don't, I, I think I want it to be like a surprise because I would never like walk into zombies. Cause you know, they like, also we don't know what zombies actually do. I'm just going by what some man wrote in fucking, what's that Mia Jovovich fucking movie. I'm just going off of what some, uh, somebody thought of. But well, like, Night of the they, Living Dead was like, is that the first like, yeah, zombie George movie? Romero. They like George they Romero. Rip you, they rip you apart and eat your brain. Like, I would rather it just be like a surprise. Who oh, came no. up with zombies? I don't know. I think it's like tale as old as time. I think it's like, <laughs> and that's like biblical. That like goes back to like all those. Uh, what's his name? Oh wait, Grimm's the the brothers Grimm. The Grimm. And they're always Did anybody like, see that movie with Matt Damon? Was it Matt and Heath? Who was the other brothers Grimm? I think it might have been Heath. Was I it? I don't remember. Uh, those fairy tales, those whatever. All of them was just him being like, how can I kill a child? I'm not doing my best at watching stuff. I'm going to say that at all. I'm doing my best at watching like um, like reality stuff that I like. There's a, a, a pottery show called The Pottery Throwdown. The Great Pottery right. Throwdown. The Great Pottery. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, and they wow. just like make wow. pottery. Okay, I want to ask you guys a question. Okay, so like I, I try not to be too hung up on capitalism as an American, even though we are so rooted in it. But we're I'm watching the Great Pottery Throwdown. There's three seasons. And um they uh they don't win any money. They just they like win a pot. Like they'll be like I get this ceramic pot and I am the pottery throwdown champion. And I'm always like, this is eight weeks. You ain't got no money. That's how you know they got like universal health care or time yeah. off or some shit. Because in America, you can't just leave for eight weeks without getting $10,000. That's, that's so weird. They, they have to pay them to they, be they on don't, TV. They don't win any money. Not right, but they have to be getting paid. I mean, you gotta. I mean, like, I, that's just me. I don't, don't know. They? I don't know. But I like, don't I don't know. To be honest. I don't know if it's just like the American in me, the, the the capitalist in me, but like at the end of like 20 episodes, I was like, they made all them pots. He won and he don't get no money. So I that's kind <laughs> of amazing. That's so pure. Yeah, it's true because that's like related to the great British bake off. Right. And yeah. all they get is like a cake stand or like a cake yeah. plate. Is After that true? All, yeah, after all the times they cried in that hot ass tent with their they don't, cakes, they, don't they just want money. the glory of knowing that they were the best. I but guess. isn't that ultimately what we all want? No, I want money. <laughs> I want some money. I don't well, care. <laughs> you want glory in the form of money? Yeah, I mean, I don't even need the glory if you cut the check. <laughs> Give me the money, baby. I would take. I would take everyone knowing 
that I was the best and it being like universally accepted over money. It depends on what it is, I think. Because like, I think it, it as a writer, if I wrote something Oops. really good and I got zero credit for it, I would, I think I might be sad even if I got a lot of money. But I think that there's also those instincts is like, oh yeah, I did that for money. I don't want anybody to know. <laughs> yeah. I actually know what that feels like because I've ghostwritten books. And so like I've had the experience of hearing what people think of something that I've written and I'm just like, mm. well, that's, but ghostwriting books for other people is a different thing than like making something yourself creatively yeah, making something out that of you whole. put, yes. that yeah. you put another name, a pseudonym on because you want anonymity. Yes. That's just like a, those are two different things. Yes. Cause but if you're also, writing someone's memoir, you you're supposed to like, well, first yeah. of all, you're at the mercy of their fucking stories. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. And, True. and secondly, you're trying to make it sound like them. Yeah. Right. 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 I mean, kind of. Yeah. But it is a weird thing to be like, to be in that position, to have people either love something or hate something. And you can't say one way or the other that you were involved you with it. But it's, by the way, I do want to just say here, I wrote my own fucking book, every goddamn word of it. <laughs> that and is it was true. exhausting. And I wish that somebody had told me that I could have just hired Casey to do it. <laughs> <laughs> because it would have saved me a lot of time in coffee commissary and La Pan Quotidian. Is that how you say that? La Pan Quotidian. Yeah. Everything there is delicious. Chocolate chip cookies the size of my head. I don't like how it's like a communal table. Cause I hate I'm a communal like, table. Get the fuck out of here with your communal table. <laughs> no one wants to, to share one, a meal. The only, I've only been to the one in Chicago. It was nice, but it was like, everybody who worked here can't afford this. Who is this for? That is such a weird thing when you're just like, what it's is like, with these, this luxury like, roll? <laughs> it's like, nobody over here can afford these rolls. Why are you here? Because <laughs> it used to be a Boston market. And I was like, that, oh. is, that is the payroll of this neighborhood. <laughs> you guys, have you, ever, have you ever had that experience where you like go to a store that you have to ask to be let in because it's like that fancy? Yes. And then the person is like giving you like attitude where they're like, the person's like, I know you can't afford to shop in here. And then you're like, you feel so bad for a second. But then you're like, hey, you probably can't either. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've never had that experience. But when I worked at Banana Republic, I could not afford those slacks. No, so I can't imagine. <laughs> they were like, well, that store was really good about not making us buy clothes. But when I worked at <laughs> Banana Republic, they were like, just look banana. <laughs> I love that. Just look banana. Just look, just banana. look banana. Because we, I was making like $8 an hour and the pants were like $98. Even with the discount, I was like, if I work here all day, I can't afford one slack. So I was looking like banana from Target. <laughs> So did you ever share information with someone like, hey, you could get this at Target for. I mean, you want to know where you I would tell people to go to is the Gap. <laughs> the it's Gap. Like, isn't it all the same company? It, yeah. All is the same Old company. Navy, the Gap, oh, Banana yeah. and Athleta. When I was a kid, when the Gap first came out, it was like discount jeans only and banana republic i believe was actually like safari like clothing it was it was in it case was. you wanted to dress like um you worked at disney world yeah it was like i a remember store. you guys the pinnacle of sophistication i thought was like banana republic linen 
pants. Those pants are nice. Like you were go like you were going on a safari. Yeah. Yeah. Like was- I thought that that was like I can't even imagine the day where I wear like a linen like a beige <laughs> linen button-down shirt and pants. There are and, like, two then I that- will have made it. <laughs> this is the thing that when I was younger I was like when I'm a grown-up when I can buy this I have made it. And it was macadamia nuts. Ah. Uh. I like I had had them before like at somebody's house or something and I was like oh my god I've had a cashew before but what the fuck is this so then we like like little balls of money (laughs) when I went to the grocery store with my mom I was like I gotta figure out like where these macadamia nuts were and like they were on the top shelf because you know that's where they put the bougie stuff and it was so small and I remember it was like $9.99 for literally like nine macadamia nuts and my mom was like girl no. So uh, when I was younger, I was like, one day, if I could just buy as many macadamia nuts as I want, I know I fucking made it. Yeah. <laughs> that is my litmus test. Everything else is, is, is like extra. So like I'm at a point in my life now that like I can go. To, also, I feel like they're not they, they are expensive. But at Trader Joe's, you can get like a bag of them for eight dollars. And I remember when I went there and I bought them and I was like, I did it. I fucking did, did it. it. <laughs> I, I did it. <laughs> you guys, I have just, I'm. I hope you don't take that. I don't like macadamia nuts. That's good. That's they're okay. expensive, girl. I hope you. Hurt. I feel I like they're too peanut. oily. They are. De- they're like a decadent <laughs> nut. They're very decadent. You I do like a, a dark chocolate. I, I do like a dark chocolate covered macadamia nut. One when I'm in Hawaii. <laughs> That's all you need, and that yeah, costs twelve dollars. You can. Um, <laughs> But it's so oily, you could probably burn it like a candle, like a lamp. I did that in science in high school. That was a that was a thing to find out energy. Oh, cows. Cow- yeah, cows. Yeah, Wait, we you, burned. Did you we burn macadamia? We burned a macadamia. That is a new category of rich for me. If you can burn them, <laughs> I'm trying to. Okay, I got a new level. I thought it was buying macadamia nuts. I want to be at the level where I could set one on fire. <laughs> I'm just burning macadamia nuts over here. What do you guys think of those monoliths that are appearing everywhere? Oh, all of those uh, those big metal things. Here's the thing: if it is not, if it's aliens, please help us. Otherwise, I don't care. <laughs> well, um, Israel just said, former Israel Israeli yes. space security chief Hayam Eshed has revealed that aliens from a galactic federation have been in contact with the U.S. and Israel for years, but humanity is not ready. That's no, on, we're that's not. trending right now on Twitter. I believe Twitter. that. I know that we're not ready. I 100% believe it. We ain't ready. We ain't ready for the shit that we do down here. <laughs> it's, <laughs> like, true. So, it's true. I don't know. I feel like people could get behind it. I'm 100% behind whatever the aliens want to do. Please, I, honestly, help us, please. Just help us. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe they're already here. Maybe we are them. Maybe some of us are. That goes into I'm my sure. whole uh, Terminator theory. I don't think I'm theory. an alien, though. I don't think I'm an alien. I don't, you don't think, think you are either. I do love the um, I love the swing from Shantira despising zombies but being cool with aliens. <laughs> I am on board with aliens. Because here's the thing. Zombies are just like people (laughs) and it's like it's one thing people do fucked up stuff when they're dead but then like when you die to just come back and do more fucked up stuff i think it's like a hat on a hat 
Aliens? <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> I love aliens, yeah. I think. But I don't know. They might not like us. If I was an alien, truly, if I was just like in outer space watching this shit show, I would not come down here. This is the mm. neighborhood I would drive by. <laughs> Roll my windows up. <laughs> I'm yeah. worried that aliens will be so logical, but that they won't see our humanity. So like, I'm worried that aliens will like come down and be like, oh, we can 100% save earth. We have to like euthanize three quarters of you. So get in line. You know well, what I mean? Like, I'm just very worried that they would tell us some truth that we could not handle. I, I have a question. Okay, so mm-hmm. we're always talking about, like, aliens and shit. So you know how we are on in America are always like, we're going to Mars. We want to send people to Mars. Like, then, then are we, therefore, aliens once we land on another? Like, are we the aliens to the moon? Sure. Are we Absolutely. The so, yeah. like, we're all aliens, right? Be, whether or not you're an alien depends on where you're standing. Hmm. El- Interesting. <laughs> like Interesting. I'm standing here, I'm an Therefore, American and a citizen of Earth. But if yeah. I'm standing on Mars, I'm an alien. Okay, yes. You know what I'm you're saying? You're right. <sighs> well, guys, we're not going to solve all these problems today. <laughs> Wait, busy. We never, we never asked what you're doing your best at. Oh, my God. That's so true. Rude. Well, I don't know. I'm having a hard time right now, but we don't need to, I don't need to bring the room down. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we'll, we'll, um, like that, the saddest version of have yourself a merry little Christmas, mm. you know, Aww. until then we'll, have until to then through. we'll have to somehow. muddle through somehow. Um, if you guys don't know the saddest version of, have yourself a merry little Christmas. I actually, you know what I just fucking remembered? What? Last year during Christmas, Sarah Thayer, our friend Sarah Thayer, last year she was talking about that, the very saddest original version of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. And I recorded myself singing it in my closet for her. And it is so fucking sad. Here it is. I just found it. Oh, wow. I totally forgot about that until this moment. Um, that song is real, real dark. It can be real dark. <laughs> anyway, um, I think the next few weeks are going to be really hard for me. And, you know, I'm really tired. My work is really, really fun. I really like it a lot. Um, but, you know. Oh, it's no. hard out here in these streets. <laughs> it's hard it's out hard. here in these streets. It's hard for <laughs> a lot of people right now, yeah. I think. I can't even imagine like being on another lockdown right now in LA. I feel so grateful that I get to like go to work and have a stick stuck up my nose every fucking morning and find out that I don't have COVID so I can go to work, but, and work with really great people. But you know, like there's a lot of change happening and I guess by the time that I guess, yeah, I guess by the time this, what time is it? Oh, yeah. I mean, now, like, that, my, our house is no longer my house. Aww. Oh, wow. I know. So, and it was, it was tough. Like, this past weekend was really hard. Yeah. And I felt like 
it was hard for a lot of reasons and I can't really get into it because I don't want to get sued or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but I guess the biggest part was just like, I've been trying in the last many years, like four plus years now to just be like really open and move toward the things that like come to me. And even we were talking about it. We did an interview guys with Zoe Lister Jones. That'll be up in a couple of weeks. And we kind of talked about it in that interview. I don't know if we'll probably cut it out, but <laughs> we generally like to guys, we generally like to cut out when I talk about myself in the interviews. <laughs> it's not always about me. You know what I mean? Um, but I really have tried to like be so open and move toward those things, follow my intuition and be really fearless in that respect. And sometimes you can, you can do that and it can still be really fucking hard. Or then you'll like be like, Oh no, something will happen. You're like, Oh no, maybe my intuition was off. (laughs) Maybe it fucked me because now this other set of circumstances or information is making me feel, you know, another way, but now you've already gone down this road and like, you know, I think that when you're like open to that movement, uh, that means you're no matter which way you go, you're opening yourself up to something. I think that the only way you won't get something new to feel is if you don't do anything which also just feels bad too. Yeah. And I felt really stagnant, you know, like that was part of the whole thing. Like I have felt really stuck in a couple ways and, and I felt really, I was really worried about my kids, you know, and like really felt like they needed something different that I wasn't quite sure what it was. So I just had to like be open to it. And I actually like, Especially, you know, I really think that this is exactly where my kid needs to be. And like, but it doesn't change the fact that like, because of this fucking pandemic, I'm not gonna, you know, be able to, I ha- like, I just have to trust that like Ray Padilla and like a lady named Tracy can pack <laughs> the shit that is important in my life. And and I'm never going back to this house that I've lived in. I realized yesterday longer than I've lived anywhere else, else, including my childhood at home, which was like such a like, I didn't even think about that until yesterday yeah. where I was like, oh, fuck. I lived there for 14 fucking years. No, that's not right. 13. <laughs> you guys, I can't do the math. <laughs> I, did, I, did, I lived there for 13 years, which is still longer than I lived in my childhood home in Scottsdale, which I was yeah. so mad when my parents sold. But I don't know. I don't fucking know. It's just hard. It's been hard. It's just hard. It's really hard. I also lived in my home in Connecticut longer than I had lived anywhere. And it was hard. So I totally feel, you know, I totally have been there where you are, but I it did get better. I hope it gets better for you. I know. I know. And like, and I feel like everything is all up in the air for everyone, you know, and it's so uncertain. Like even like I can have hope, like we can all be hopeful. We can be hopeful about this vaccine. We can be hopeful about 
people being better and kinder and more empathetic. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for so many things, but I also am like just feeling it so hard right now. And I know so many of my friends are feeling it so hard in LA, especially, you know, and, and I think everybody's just like, when is this fucking done? Like, it's like, it's like, I was like sobbing, reading the thing about Guy Fieri, like raising you know, over fifty million dollars. He puts for his mouth where his hair Restaurant is, you know? workers, and then you yeah. just think about how fucking mean people are about Guy Fieri, and like how you know assholes are just like you know. I don't know that New York Times thing, the restaurant review yeah, that was like review. so mean, but you know what? But also That's hilarious, a- but like also just like fucking mean for mean's sake. That says everything about those people and nothing about Guy Fieri. And that's uh, the thing. Yes. You know, that's the thing is that Guy Fieri, he knew everything that people were saying about him all along. How could you avoid that? But he hung in there and he stayed Guy Fieri. And then when his moment to be the most himself ever came, he came and he delivered and he was like, you know, just showed what an outstanding person he is. And he did it for doing it. But here's the thing, like, like Guy Fieri and fucking Jose Andreas should not have to feed the world. LeBron James should not have to overhaul education. Like this is not the thing that like the private sector should be the ones that have to like take on, especially I don't know. Like, I just feel like especially people who it's not generational wealth. It's like things that they have like built and scraped and put together. And then these motherfuckers with all this generational wealth are like shrug emoji. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that one thing that gives me hope is yes, it's not LeBron James's responsibility to reform education. It's not Guy Fieri's and Jose Andres's responsibility to feed the hungry. But what it does demonstrate to me is that having a talent for leadership doesn't it doesn't mean that you have to be president. It doesn't mean yeah. that you have to run right. for office. Also, it Bethany Frankel. I do want to say fucking shout out to Bethany Frankel. Bethany I do, Frankel. Because yeah. she's just like renting Flying planes, airplanes and over. shit. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, and the more money that you have as a result of like our capitalistic society, the more you could choose to use your leadership skills to make a positive change in the lives of many people to make a difference. And that makes me hopeful that some people do choose to do that. Um, (sighs) well, here's something that does bring me joy. Seriously. I really love giving gifts. I really do love it. I love giving away things. I love giving to charities and stuff. I also like love giving to people that I love. And the other day on Instagram, I was like, do you guys, should I do like a gift guide? And it was overwhelmingly, yes, I should do it. <laughs> and I do get a bunch of shit sent to me for free. So here's my question. Should I put together, I don't know how to put together a gift guide, nor do I probably even have the time to do it, but it might be a fun distraction for me <laughs> to do in the next few days. If I put together a gift guide and then there was like some way for people to win the things that I put on the gift guide, it would have to be things that I have in my possession. Yeah. Yeah. That I could give away. Yeah. Or I, mean, I would buy them. I guess I could buy them. What those um, influencers, you know, 
do is they'll always be like, uh, go to my Instagram, like this, um, like this post, leave your um, handle in here, and oh. like, and then you'll be. And chosen it, it, at random you'll be chosen at random as i like and then you can use an app like so a you random. put it into an app okay and then yeah. it just again this seems like a lot of work but okay yeah. all right but like but that's make raymond thing. do it <laughs> he's, he's got honestly i'm not even kidding you like legit because i can't go back there i mean right. what the fuck he's poor ray yeah. also emily bb was like are there any vibrators or naked pictures that i need to go over and get out of your house so that raymond <laughs> padilla does not have to deal with it and i was like oh fuck yes do you know where any of that shit is i do not <laughs> so well Ray's a sweetheart guy. when he finds yeah. my rabbit from 2002 <laughs> i fucking purchased it after I heard that episode of sex in the city you know where you're not not only is he gonna find it you're gonna see him doing an instagram story in your house using it i mean honestly like, honestly oh, at this point that is probably true um <laughs> all right well maybe i'll figure this out i actually have like a kind of light day of work tomorrow although it's going to be the most fun of all time has it been announced yet about who's playing my former boy band member husband boy guys is it a real fucking delight and i'm so excited our first day of work together is tomorrow and i'm dying i am dying and i want to tell you and i don't know if i can and i don't want to get in trouble because i've already gotten in trouble so much from this podcast (laughs) That it's a fucking bummer. And that's the other thing. I'm just like, why is everybody trying to fucking fuck with my shit? I can't. I hate it. I just I want to just want to tell everybody everything and talk about things and be open. And then people are like, business. <laughs> Money. We can wait and we'll be excited to hear when it's You're gonna be so excited. And then we'll have yeah, him on excited. and it'll be really exciting. Um, but anyway, I'll put together this gift guide tomorrow. I'm going to include things on it. Like we saw scenery. Diaries of Meryl Marco. This is a great gift and it can be yours. I decided just now. (laughs) (laughs) I already, I already read it anyway. So, right. Like, you know, you can have it. I'll try to come up with some other good stuff. I wish I could do like sort of like a thing, like you, like a raffle thing, because then we could raise money for Georgia for the runoffs. Mm -hmm. You can ask people to um, tag you in their receipts from donations, and then that equals their entry into a drawing. Oh, right. Oh, right, right, right. Like I did. I've done that before. Yeah. You oh, just that's forgot. cool. Oh, my God. Wait, Casey, you're right. <laughs> right. I have actually done that very, very thing. Um, okay, guys, I'm going to get, get to it. I'm going to get working on it. Here's what I want to say to all of you. I love you. We're going to make it through this time. If you're like me and you're like weepy always and just trying your best, you're going to make it through. But first, let's talk to our friend, Dr. Seema Yasmin. It's like an epidemiologist and has a really soothing accent. She's cool. (laughs) She's cool as hell. poet. She's like... She's a real. She's, she's a I real she's an al- I think she's an alien. I think she's yeah. an alien. She could be. Yeah, she's I think so she's an alien. cool. She could. She fit does, your Terminator theory. She's, yeah, she's too good at too many things, and she's beautiful, and she's like perfect. I, I don't know. I don't buy it. And she's, she's like an, on CNN, totally keeping yeah. her cool when Anderson Cooper's girling her about the pandemic. Come on. Yeah. Come on. She's definitely 
a Terminator. I enjoyed this interview very much. I think <laughs> I did too. Very cool. And uh, I had an ear infection w- right before I talked to her, and she mm-hmm. messaged me on Twitter to check on my tiny ears. So she really walks the walk, y'all. She walks the walk. <laughs> Let's just take a listen and uh, see what health advice we can get. I really love personalized gifts for people. I really love being creative. I like making gifts for people. And Skillshare has these online classes. It's an online learning community with thousands of inspiring classes. You want to learn how to macrame something? You can go to Skillshare and you can learn how to macrame. Anything that you are interested in, creative pursuit, maybe it's something having to do with fine art. Maybe it's photography. Maybe it's like, I don't even know. Like what's what's a thing, Casey, that you want to learn about? Animation, creative writing. Maybe you want to, sure. Maybe you want to, but maybe you're like. Anything you can learn from a liberal arts college, (laughs) you can get to experience in these classes. There's classes for uh, photography and not just on a camera, on your phone, your camera phone. There's uh, classes for everything. Anyway, it's a really incredible uh, way for you to learn new things. I know in this time, a lot of people are at home. They're staying home until it's safe to not stay home anymore. It's also incredibly affordable, especially when you compare it to in-person classes and workshops because an annual subscription is less than $10 a month. And maybe you're like, how do I keep these plants alive in my house? There's a class for that. Plant Queen teaches a class about that. I need to sign up for that class ASAP. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash best and get a free trial of a premium membership, you guys. Skillshare.com slash best. I want to see what you make. Share it with me online. Tag me and tell me. I want to see it. Oh, pretty litter. My pretty little kitty litter. Pretty litter. Anyway, we love pretty litter. I, you've heard, if you listen to these ads, you know, I've talked about it before. Gildo and Rosie, they used to be stinky. We got sent pretty litter and I was like, never going back. We're never going back to any other kind of litter because two cats, it's a lot of cats. Pretty litter is the best litter we have ever used. Especially when you're staying indoors for the winter. Your cats can't go out. Mm -mm. It's ultra absorbent crystals, trap odor instantly. It lasts up to a month. There was a drastic difference in scent in our home. Okay. Let me tell you, it was real. Plus it's safer for your cat and the whole household. It, a lot of conventional litters contain sort of, you know, irritants and things that can aggravate allergies and asthma, but pretty litter is super light crystal base, minimizes mess and dust. And it arrives safely at our door in a small lightweight bag. Shipping is free. I never have to worry about storing bulky containers or the olden days when you would go to the pet store and someone would have to help you carry the gigantic bag out. No thanks. Anyway, no thanks. Here's why Pretty Litter is my all-time favorite. And I talked about this before. If you have cats, you know about like urinary tract infections are a real thing. But Pretty Litter changes colors to help detect 
early signs of potential illness, including those urinary tract infections and kidney diseases. This is so important. And if you have a cat that like is prone to UTIs or kidney infections, you know that they can turn fast. You want to make sure you catch it early. So do what we did. Make the switch to Pretty Litter today. Get 20% off your first order by visiting prettylitter.com and use the promo code BEST. Best. That's prettylitter.com, promo code BEST. For 20% off, prettylitter.com, promo code BEST. Well, we are so lucky to have you, um, Dr. Seema is a friend of Casey's and you may know her. Maybe you've seen her on CNN giving you the facts about the pandemic, other things that we need (laughs) to know about. But Dr. Seema, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I feel like I know at least two of you through some medical crises that you have (laughs) Me about. Um, because can I just yeah. say something so nice about Dr. Seema is um, an epidemiologist. So there have been many times pre-pandemic when I've hurt myself or not felt well. And Seema will always be like, oh, you um, at Busy's birthday, actually Busy's birthday party a couple of years ago, I cracked my leg really bad. And it was like an injury like I'd never seen before. And Seema was like, text me a picture. She was into it. And so, so yeah. So I feel like um, Busy has also had like medical questions on the fly that she's been like, hey, can you ask Dr. Seema well, what she I thinks? Have, I have an ear infection, so I'll talk to you. When we get <laughs> let me see. Let me see. Put your ear out to the camera. <laughs> They're so small. <laughs> they are small. <laughs> I know. That's why I get ear infections, because my ears are so small. When, I, when, when she went to go check on them, she had to change to the children's thing to look in there. <laughs> well, you know, I come from the land of free healthcare, so I am always happy to like try and triage people's injuries or yes. health ailments. But um, it's an interesting way to like really get to know your friends. And sometimes not even your friends, just like people adjacent to your friends become <laughs> very familiar very quickly and then start sending you uh, interesting text messages and pictures. But it's all you're really generous with, you know, you're generous with your your expertise and you're really kind about it. And I know that it's not super fun to talk shop constantly. Oh, I, and- I kind of enjoy it actually. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> The only thing that upsets me is like three days later, I'll be like texting a friend like, so like, is, is everything okay? Oh my gosh. Yeah, so, people probably don't really follow up with the good stuff. After. You know, the good news, please like complete the story for me. Let me know the person did not die. I'll let you know, <laughs> I'll let, I'll let you know about my ear in two to three business days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Seema, you have a new book coming out called Viral BS. Yes. And Busy has very kindly shared a blurb, which I am so excited about. Thank you so much for doing that, Busy, in the midst of like so much stuff going on. It's you my pleasure. At my Although it just, you just reminded me that somebody else asked me to do a blurb and <laughs> I didn't do it. And I think it's due today. But so 
Where am I going to write this on my forehead? I'll write it. But I really appreciate it. And yeah, the book, you know, I started writing this book years ago. Um, it's called Viral BS Medical Myths and Why We Fall for Them. Obviously, not a new topic since there's always stuff flying around about our bodies and the environment and our health, but obviously very, very relevant right now in the age of COVID. But it's got everything from it's basically the questions I get asked about all the time, whether it's to do with chemtrails or vaccines or friends who have a baby and they're like, so I should get my placenta freeze-dried and eat it in capsules, right? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and so I put that stuff in it. It's got all the stuff about the Instagram flat tummy teas, which you can take if you want to shit your guts out um, and end up in the hospital with dehydration. But yeah, so it, it's serious, but some of the chapters are kind of like, not at, they don't seem as serious, but all of it is getting to that same issue of how are we supposed to know what to believe in a world where there's so much information and misinformation flying around? I just was going to say that I think that one of the most interesting things about it is that a little bit, you know, we use Google medically in a way that is not to our advantage yeah. now. We're like in a place where... Like, can I tell you how many times my husband and or I have had terminal cancer in the last 10 years? Google like, is terrifying. Dr. Google is terrifying because your headache will go immediately there. And I'll tell you something people don't often assume about me is I am a real hypochondriac. So I have to be very careful. The other day, I woke up in the middle of the night with uh, pins and needles in my arm. Obviously, I must have just slept on my arm. But I woke up and I was like, oh, my God, this is how the multiple sclerosis will start with me. Like, that's what this is. And I'm like, why? Why do I do that? It's very terrifying. So I try and tell my friends, like, don't Google. Don't approach Dr. Google. For me, it's an issue because it's my own head that goes to the worst case scenario. So headache must be a brain tumor. Like, no, that's not, that's not how it works. I've now, I've now been banned by friends from Googling um, anything to do with my dog. And because that is like, oh, she looks a little pale. Her eyes look a little pale. And then I'll Google it and I'll be like, you know, your dog has this advanced stage of lymphoma. And I'm like, what? So now I've been banned from doing that too. That, oh my this generally makes me feel better because you are a full-blown doctor and I am a full-blown improviser. So if we're doing the same thing, I don't feel so bad. <laughs> it's I don't feel so bad. <laughs> We, like, there's a saying that we teach our medical students that, you know, if it has hooves and it gallops, it's a horse, not a zebra. But when it comes to me and my, any little twinge I have, it's not pins and needles. It's multiple sclerosis. Like, like, yeah, my brain. Wow. Sometimes. Well, I mean, it's true. Like a lot of us have that inclination. I also tend to health wise go to worst case scenario and, but that's why I think the book is so helpful. It's also because you have the degrees behind it and you're not like a person who's just um, got an idea about but, a thing. Um, a big Instagram account. Is, right. But a lot of Instagram followers who's like, guys, definitely don't vaccinate. You know, it's like, <laughs> and I think because I study that, like I study how misinformation about health and science spreads, why it goes viral, people would just think that I would like, hate the conspiracy theories or just despise the people that spread them. And I get it because some of them are so dangerous. But in the beginning of the book, I explained how I grew up a conspiracy theorist. And so I completely understand why something that sounds really intensely absurd will 
compel will compel you and be believable to you. Like in my case, you know, my family are originally from India, moved to England in like the 60s and 70s. They faced intense racism. And when you look at the British Empire and some of the stats, like at one point, one in four humans, I think, was a subject of the British Empire. And so in our house growing up, uh, we used to have a map on the wall that showed every single country in the world that was ever colonized by the Brits. And it was, and it was so much of the world that I think when you start with some facts like that, that are just ludicrous, like how does this tiny little island nation take over so much of the world and pillage so much and cause like genocides here, there and everywhere, it starts to become believable that we would listen to these tapes that would say that the royal family in England um, were not human. They were shape-shifting reptiles. And you'd be like, well, yeah. (laughs) Prince Charles does look a little <laughs> something at times. So there's always like maybe a kernel of truth in these conspiracy theories that spread and the book gets into that as well. Right. That's the part that also is super interesting. Right now, I feel like we're inundated and overloaded with conspiracy theories sort of going into the mainstream. And Seema, one thing that like people know about me, I don't know, and but it's true for Shantira as well. I know it's true for Casey, but we love like crystals. We're crystal <laughs> bitches. And like, I love a and crystal. we love spiritual <laughs> stuff. And like, I've done a lot of yoga. And <laughs> yeah. There you go. Where's my, I mean, I'm wearing all of mine, but I just bought a Seema's new Seema's holding yesterday. up a crystal. She's, yeah. <laughs> my friend Yalini sent me this at the beginning of the pandemic. It's a very pretty crystal. It's really nice. It looks like a quartz to me, like a clear quartz. Yeah. What should I do with it? Well, isn't that well? You have to charge it in the full moon. Mm-hmm. Well, quartz oh, okay. is the one. The clear quartz is. I think I have them in my house. So that's the one that's like for protection. So you like yeah. put it in the corners of. So I have like four. And I have them all in the corner of my house. But then, if you want, you could just like put it in your bedroom or like put it in your cupboard on the floor in the corner. I just leave it on my table because it's so pretty. Yeah, yeah. so I'm saying it is in very a, pretty in a room that you want like good protective vibes. You, you okay. can do that one. I don't think I'm going to be charging it by the light of the full moon because that is a little. Woo-woo. <laughs> I will leave it next to my beautiful candles because it's gorgeous and it was a yeah. nice gift. Also, crystals are also just a, so, vibe. It is just a vibe. <laughs> but, also what I, but what I think is so interesting is with this sort of rise of all the conspiracy theories and the not believing in science and medical and a, this global pandemic that's happening, that's been happening in this country, that like it has been tied to a lot of these sort of other woo beliefs woo beliefs <laughs> woo beliefs which i think Yoga. isn't that i don't know i i think that there has been some sort of study about this and i'm probably saying it exactly wrong because I just read the headlines of things. But I think in times of great strife, um, superhero movies become really popular and young women turn to the occult. That is true. Okay. <laughs> because it gives, the, it gives the illusion of control of your situation when you have none. Yeah. I've been watching The Boys, which probably isn't the best version of anything superhero to watch. Honestly, I think that's the best version. That's the real yeah. one. The <laughs> Boys is great. Hollywood break if no one's watching the boys it's about like superheroes but like 
what they like their dating lives, like what they're doing when they're not. Um, uh, you're kind of really underselling the fact that they are awful people who take drugs and are manufacturers. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's the realest <laughs> version of super. It's like who they are is real people. They're terrible people, but they have good PR, which is <laughs> the realest thing I think you could ever, ever say. But I'm saying that. During a pandemic, I think we, you should stick to the more idealistic ones, not the boys. Shout out to Jamil Smith who recommended it to me. <laughs> I know it would be this intense. Uh, but you know, like what Busy is saying about the occult or superhero films about just trying to have that, maybe it's the delusion of control Absolutely. in our life. I've been working out and eating really healthy in the last month or no, two months because to me, that was one way of like, here's one thing that I can control is yeah. exactly how much protein and fiber and I don't know. I don't know. It's a delusion, isn't it? Well, I don't know <laughs> no, if that, I think that makes sense. But you're a doctor. I mean, the way that people eat and take care of themselves ac- actually does affect their health. You know what I, right? So yeah. exercising more, like not eating as much sugar is probably a good idea when there's a global pandemic going on. I, I'm, I have a real sweet tooth and I find that stuff really comforting. But of course, when you're eating sugar the way I was, your your mood and because your sugar levels are going up and down and so is your mood. So I was like, this doesn't make sense. This is not a good strategy when everything is so stressful and anxiety provoking. What are you all doing to try and protect your energy and your mental health? Oh no, I said energy. So you're going to talk about muscles, <laughs> right? Oh yeah, I, we love that energy. Seema, um, you know, when we had the show busy tonight, we were dying. We didn't get to stay online enough, but we were dying to have you come on and do a segment called Should I Put This In Me? (laughs) Next time. (laughs) So just to ask you, like all the things that we see on Instagram, like, should I put this crystal in me? (laughs) Should I put this? It was like yoni eggs. It was like, should we put the yoni yoni eggs? The vajayshals. (laughs) Yeah, there are so many orifices and so many different items. I've had a a vagina steam. You had a vagina steam? Yeah. During the pandemic? No. no. Oh, I don't know if you're trying to like disinfect. There are limits to this, not during a pandemic. Remember, remember, Casey, to try to deal with my sinus? Oh, that's right. You had a sinus problem, so you had your vagina steamed? Well, I had, I did a bunch of different stuff, but um, including surgery, I did like a combo of Western and Eastern fixes for my sinus, my long-term sinus problem. Did anything help? Honestly, the vagina steaming. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) Um, Just explain the, please try and explain the connection to me. It was this Ayurvedic woman. So I had my surgery and basically it, it was just a disaster. I loved my surgeon and everything, but I had to fly for work too close to right after my surgery. And he like looked at me and was like, yeah, I get, it'll be okay. You'll be fine. Just like, be careful, whatever. And it was in June. So I didn't do my usual, I'm flying during the winter months protective situation that I normally would do when I was flying. Now, of course, everybody does it because pandemic, but I was first. Anyway, <laughs> um, that's just an aside. Uh, and I got to New York and I got a cold like on the plane. And then it just like triggered this sinus infection. Cause I had just had the surgery like three weeks earlier that I couldn't get rid of. And it was when Casey had just moved to LA. We were trying to build the show. I was in so much pain. My head hurt so bad. And so someone was like, you have to go do this Ayurvedic lady 
her like week program. You go every day for like seven to 10 days or something like that. And she does different weird stuff to you to fix whatever is wrong, whatever ails you. So she was like, oh yes, yes. I see this so clearly. The heat is just all up in your head and you have no heat in your lower body. Now, Dr. Seema, you're going to think I'm fucking nuts, but yeah. my butt is always cold. <laughs> I okay. have a very cold. My lower extremities are like weirdly cold. And you I work out. I think I'm going to hold the crystal every okay. time you all are saying something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but like, so listen, so she did this whole thing about like bringing the heat, the pitta energy away from my head. Oh, it's the vocab now. I like it. Come on. <laughs> and, and bringing it back down so that it's more evenly dispersed, including there were the vagina. And why the vagina specifically? Why not your no, toes? No, was, why not no, put your feet in a football? There were, there were like really hot foot baths with ginger and then they would like hit my feet really hard. <laughs> um, what kind of kink was this? How much yeah, you- <laughs> it's very, I mean, like very kinky. I'm on board. Literally my sinus so is much clear. Money. <laughs> yeah. oh, then, your nose hurts and you have a headache? Let me smack the shit out of your feet. <laughs> <laughs> and I, just, I swear to God. Oh, and there was a special diet that was just like very anti-inflammatory diet and, and like massages and oil dripped on your head and like it was a whole thing and at the end of it I felt amazing and I haven't had a sinus infection since Mm. (laughs) (laughs) you know what though maybe it's kind of like a little placebo a little bit of both yeah I mean maybe just kind of like someone taking you and doing like this process with you that like I mean if you're into like getting your feet slapped or whatever that is like kind of peaceful <laughs> and restful it's almost like hiring a mom you know what I mean it's almost like like maybe that's a thing and then maybe once you got over that awful cold and sinus infection the surgery actually did its job and that's why you thought right that. well no I my surgeon who now actually has left uh practicing to become a feet slapper. (laughs) (laughs) Like this is where the money is. Yeah. He, he went to, he's teaching and doing research work. Mm -hmm. Um, He used my sinuses as a case study because famous in the medical world. Your sinuses are famous because my sinuses were so presented so oddly because I was never stuffy and I never had a lower sinus infection and it would just immediately go up into my upper and then my sphenoidal sinuses. And so I would like be misdiagnosed a lot in with, because they would look in my sinuses and they'd be like, you're, you have no infection. Yeah. And like, I feel like I'm crazy. And so when he saw my upper sinuses, he's like, what is happening? Like, how have you lived this long with this thing? And he's like, it's so strange. What I'm looking at in your upper sinuses is like a massive infection and there's just no sign of it anywhere. God for the foot slapping and the vagina face. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, he, I loved him. And afterwards I went back and I was like, so I stopped doing the like steroid that you told me to do. Cause I was losing my sense of smell, which by the way, I really, I really truly, um, feel for the people that that was the thing that they got in COVID. Cause that 
was horrible and like sort of crazy making yeah. that month that I lost my sense of smell. It was really horrible. And, and I was like, but I did get my feet slapped and had a vagina <laughs> steam. And now I just want you to look at my sinuses and see what you think. And he looked and he was like, I mean, they look perfect. Like, this is, like, this is as good as we could have hoped for. And he's like, so what I kind of think is that the surgery is a success. <laughs> yeah. Yay, the surgery. Yeah. But you know, if foot slapping is your thing, like, why stop? I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't. I didn't enjoy it. I But I did... <laughs> But I did like, um, I did actually like the vagina steam, guys. It was nice. Uh, and, you know, like I have to be careful as well, because when I was when I was growing up, there was um, my aunts and my mother's, they didn't really use um, recipes to cook. But in yeah. the kitchen, there was this one really big volume that we'd use on special occasions called Indian Delights. And it had amazing like biryanis and kormas, such good recipes right at the back, because they knew no man was ever going to read this book. Right at the back, there's an illustration of a woman wearing a sari and her hair is covered and she's sitting on a chair and her sari is draped over the chair. So you're like, what's happening here? The recipe is for the types of herbs and spices and what amounts you are supposed to put in a pot of boiling water, cut a hole in the chair and put that under her. So then her sari drapes over it and she gets her vagina steamed. And they call I think, and you do it after childbirth. So that was the thing that I knew what we did in our culture, or at least some women chose to do. Um, but there was no association with sinus infection. <laughs> <laughs> in America, we used herbs and spices for KFC. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> but they only use 11. It's not only enough. 11 and they're secret. <laughs> Oh, guys, here's what I'm going to say. I am all about destigmatizing health things that affect us and especially, you know, things that we've been made to feel a lot of shame about. And I do think pooping is one of them, especially as women. I've loved Tushy for a long time. I think it's a fantastic little bidet system. Bidets were always like the thing that only like the fanciest, fanciest people had in their homes. But really, it's really kind of incredible for everyone should be for every everyone has a butt everyone has a butt everyone poops everyone should have a tushy and uh the hello tushy modern bidet attachment is here to democratize the blessings bestowed by bidets and just offer those clean butts to everyone yeah it's also better for the environment you know that you use less toilet paper you do still use toilet paper but you use less because you rinse your little butt off after you go and then you can just dab dry with the toilet paper so you're using like way less toilet paper you feel so good and clean and like I I'm just I'm a fan I'm a real fan it's attaches to your existing toilet and you can put it on in like 10 minutes you don't need any type of like plumbing or wiring or there's no electricity electricity. so easy no yeah it was so easy for me to put together it was it's all of that for just 79 dollars and every Hello Tushy bidet attachment comes with a 60-day risk-free happy butt guarantee and a 12-month warranty. So stop wiping your butt and start washing it and join the millions of happy Hello Tushy customers right now. Plus, I would say that Hello Tushy is the perfect gift. I'm telling you, I'm sending it to my uh, nephew. So get it for your parents. Get it for your parents, honestly. Parents love a Hello Tushy. <laughs> so get 10% off plus free shipping right now at hellotushy.com slash busy. 
That's hellotushy.com slash busy for 10% off and free shipping. That's a great deal. Hellotushy.com slash busy. So everyone, give yourself the gift of a clean butt this Christmas. Dr. Seema, I want to ask you about the current situation that we are in in this country and sort of worldwide because it is fascinating that people can't fucking get it through their heads. So what can we do? What is happening? What do we do next? We need a revolution. We need to revolt. No, it's just, it's so maddening because yes, you know, a pandemic is like a natural disaster. It's like the country getting hit by hurricanes and tornadoes all across in every single state at the same time. And so you can start to feel really powerless, especially because it's an unknown virus, right? We didn't hadn't heard of this since before December of 2019. And then you look at Australia and you look at New Zealand and you look at Taiwan and Japan and South Korea and all these countries that got hit first before the US got hit pretty hard as well that made their mistakes and are now going back to normal. And if you look at our death rate from COVID in America, it's about 700 deaths per million people. In South Korea, it's nine nine deaths from COVID per million people. And in Vietnam, it's 0.36. Like that's the gap in the death rate between the US and other nations developed and otherwise. It's such a, you know, the US was always like, we are the leaders in infectious disease. And Pence was saying that back in March as well, when the CDC tests weren't working and we were refusing to get help from the World Health Organization and get test kits from It's like, we are number one. It's like, yeah, now you really are. We really are because we have the highest incidence and we have the highest death rate of any country in the world. And what do we do about it? We need, the thing is, it's so frustratingly simple in that you just need a really robust testing, tracing, and isolating program. Not saying that that's easy, but that we know what needs to be done. You need that. And then you need really clear communication. And we've had none of that. We still haven't met our basic, very baseline testing targets. We're not doing contact tracing in as much as we should and not fast as we should. We're not isolating people in time. And the communication, I mean, don't get me started on that. We've had everything from injecting bleach to, I mean, it's ridiculous. I will say, so I went back to work shooting uh, this TV show and it's a big production. It's universal, right? Which is like a huge company. What they have in place is so locked down and like there are different circles of testing levels and like some people like, for instance, since I have to take my mask off, I get tested every single day. Like mm-hmm. without question, I'm tested every single day. Um, hair, makeup, and wardrobe, since they're like sort of intimately up in the actor's business, also every single day tested. Camera crew is tested three times a week. And then it like sort of circles out from there, right? Mm-hmm. And then they have these people on on set that are the COVID specialists and the contact tracers. The like just in a hypothetical of how it would happen if someone were to test positive, they immediately, like within five minutes, that person gets a text. We all get our texts with our results. So the texts go to us and to HR and to the COVID specialist. So like as soon as we the text comes in and it's like someone's positive, the text says, please 
text your location and do not move. Mm-hmm. And that person then has to text their location and not move. And then the COVID team shows up. They do the contact tracing for 15 minutes or whatever it takes to every person that they had come in t- contact with, every place that they had gone, blah, blah, blah. That person gets sent home. All of those people that they've contact traced then are sent a text. Mm-hmm. Please stop what you're doing. You have come in contact with someone who is positive. Please go home. Like the way that it works and shuts down so quickly transmission is incredible. And that's what entire countries have done. I remember back in March, we were looking at video footage from South Korea where they had the drive-through testing. You just put your window down. There was somebody completely covered in PPE. They did the swab. You got your result very soon. If you were positive, you got a text. It told you to be isolated. And then you quickly had to say, okay, so in the last 10 to 14 days, here's who I've been in contact with. Here's where I've been. It's not rocket science in a way. It's epidemiology, which is why I can do it, right? You're basically trying to stop that chain of transmission and the way you do it is by testing frequently and as many people as possible and then jumping on those other contacts so that it doesn't, you know, you don't get these clusters that go out of control. So exactly what you're describing is what other countries have done on a national level. We've done nothing of the sort here. It's so fucking wild. Because people are like, wait, so you're telling me this disease comes along, it disproportionately infects and kills people of color. Black people are dying at three times a rate, sometimes seven times a rate, depending on what area you're looking in. And the government's not on top of that response. Hmm. So you can see, you know, where all of that comes from. Then we're trying to fast track a vaccine and we have a history of doing really unethical experiments and even vaccine testing on some communities. Uh, people oh yeah, they tried, to, they tried to set up HBCU. It's just like, they don't care because it's black people. They were like, uh, all the HBCUs will give you free vaccines. And all the black people were like, Tuskegee? No, thank you. So then you can see why the conspiracy theories get traction. Yeah. But they were like, uh, oh, uh, the HBCUs will give you guys first dibs on the vaccine. But like America, you won't read it in history books, but there's a great movie about it with Alfred Woodard in it about how they were like testing um, uh, like people, black people for... Um, what is that? It's like an old timey STD. Such with the syphilis. Yes, it's syphilis. It's still yes. very much around. <laughs> yes, but not as prevalent. Uh, but they were like giving black people syphilis to test. Us. That was the Tuskegee trial. So they, were, yeah, poor black sharecroppers in Alabama up until the seventies who had syphilis and were told, "Oh, you've just got bad blood. We're doing an experiment," and they were not given penicillin. So then, you know, syphilis eventually causes brain damage. Yeah, and they passed on the infection to their loved ones and their children. Um, and that wasn't that long ago. You know, that wasn't the ended in the nineteen seventy two. But even since then, it's not like medical racism doesn't exist anymore. The whole system was built off. Oh, absolutely. Of enslaved people. And so then you want to be like, oh, so we're just going to test the vaccine on communities of color. And it's like, as a scientist, I'm like, actually, we need to include very diverse groups in clinical trials so that we know it works on everyone. But you can't just do it like that when there's this whole terrible history and reasons for people to not trust the medical establishment. Well, we also have uh, America just has a history of not teaching our history. So like a bunch of black people know about Tuskegee (laughs) and and when we're like oh no 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 I don't really want to be a part of that there's this narrative that we are like 
obviously anti-Trump or anti-vax or whatever. And it's like, no, we're just like very familiar with the history of this country. Oh, I gave, I gave a book talk um, about this a couple of years ago in England, in, in London. And it, everyone was British, but there was one uh, white American woman in the audience. And she got up and argued with me about Tuskegee. And I, and I was like, no, there's a whole chapter on it in my book. Like it did happen and it did only end, you know. Absolutely. In the she was like not having it. It was very annoying. <laughs> A white woman was was annoying to you? That is surprising. You know, you, know that, you know that saying that white people get a cough and black people get pneumonia? It's like very literally happening right in front of us without any acknowledgement of why that would be. And in fact, what happens in medical school, we still in 2020 teach race as a biological characteristic as opposed to it, race is a social construct. It was something that was invented to create a system of oppressing people, right? And yet... So now we have these, com- like we're having a moment, uh, who knows how long it will last talking about medical racism, but people will still talk about it like, oh, black people must be dying at three times the rate um, of white people when it comes to COVID because of something like, is it melanin? Like, is it something? And it's like, no, it's not something inherent in blackness. It's in the freaking system. Like fix that. But yeah, it's very hard to have that conversation sometimes. <laughs> Seema, are you, are you hopeful I have to be because otherwise I would just despair. And because I do, I am hopeful because I have faith in people. And I feel like many of us care so deeply and want to create a world that's better that we're not, we're not willing to leave it like this. And I hope that there's enough of us invested in that. Like, this is crap. It's not serving the majority. And also, I think the realization when men realize that patriarchy isn't good for them in general either, like it's not a good idea to have a society where half the population is dismissed and not included on reading lists and not in positions of power. Like that's just crap for everyone. So I think as people start to realize that more, that we will see shifts, even if it's gradual and over time. So yeah, I do have hope. Do you all? How do you feel? I ain't got no hope. <laughs> you just done with that? I'm done. But here's the thing. Like, I don't have, I have hope in you, if that makes sense. I don't have hope in society, but I do have hope in very specific people. And you I know, know yeah. You know, you know the activist, Maria Makaba, she goes by um, Prison Culture on Twitter. Mm-hmm. She's an incredible activist, but she talks about hope as a practice. So almost like your yoga practice, your meditation practice, it's like this thing that you cultivate. And I, I kind of like that. Because even though I'm very cynical and skeptical, I need that part of me that's like, no, it, it's going to get better. Yeah, I don't believe it will get better, but I believe that you will help it be better. Uh, <laughs> and, and I don't know if that if that makes sense, but I do. I yeah, like shifting the responsibility onto somebody else. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's not my black ass responsibility. It's white people's responsibility. I always say, especially with activism, like I'm a comedian and I do activism, but there are people who like went to school and they they do the work. They are the activists. You are a doctor that I respect, and you are doing the work for the people. And I have hope that I know that the world is less likely to listen to me, but like I'll put everything I fucking got in getting your voice projected. And that's I have more, I have more faith in you because I believe so much in the power of comedy because people aren't going to see you to get educated, right? Oh they, no, we trick them. They, they, <laughs> 
chapter at all. By me, it's like, I've paid my $15 because I would like to be informed. But I think the most powerful shifting of our perspectives happens when someone's making us crack up or making us a little uncomfortable. I don't know if Casey told you, but I've been studying comedy for uh, just over a year, like doing improv and comedy in the in the hopes I'm never going to be as good as people who are professional. But because That's I think... That's the start to you being the best. <laughs> there's yeah, there's something there about the radical honesty that you get in comedy. Um, and the fact that if you can, you know, you make people laugh, it's literally a release of tension, right? Literally, it feels good. So I don't know, I'm trying to incorporate something there. But I have hope in you because I think comedy is really powerful. I just want to say that we don't need this to be like our telling you that you should have hope. But I do <laughs> think that like the shit that you can get through with Amber on her show, the stuff that we were able to do on our show, like that is actually the work. Like that is how society changes and how this garbage fucking bullshit, like I wish to God we still had our stupid show, you know, (laughs) during this fucking pandemic and this last year. For comedy, like I used to work in news and then I quit because I realized exactly what you said, Dr. Seema, is that uh, I I always say um, it's like putting the pill in the cheese for a dog. Yes, uh, that's it. It's people come because it doesn't matter what red or blue, everybody wanted to come listen to Richard Pryor and he would just slip the 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 pill and the cheese, right? I like that. That's it. And I was just gonna say that uh, one of my comedy teachers has been Zanul Bakash, who I profiled in Muslim Women Are Everything. Yeah. She's an incredible comedian. But when I was taking classes with her, and obviously you can imagine the kind of person I am, I'm like, I want to be so good at this. I gotta be the best at this. I'm like, you know, I fuck because I'm learning. <laughs> and she's like, well, why can't you just be a mediocre comic like so many white guys out there? And I'm <laughs> right. like, oh, that is such a great point. I, like part yeah. of the, the personal struggles that we deal with and the way that we set the bar so freaking high as women and as women of color in particular, it's because the, the playing field is so not level. And then someone just gives you permission I mean whether it's good advice or not whether it would work or not it just felt so liberating like I can just try and do comedy and just be shit and then that's fine as someone who has done a lot of improv with mediocre white boys I'll tell you right now every best comedian I've ever come in contact with started with saying that they weren't so great so I'm going to just let you know that you're already on your way to greatness, if not already being great. Because there's two I, things, too, and I'll just I'll say this. Brown people don't get to be bad. <laughs> also, you're a doctor. You already are fucking crushing it if you're in an improv class. My, my last stand-up comedy gig was actually on uh, Valentine's Day um, in San Francisco. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. So it kind of killed everything. But <laughs> you've given me some inspiration to get back to things. Seema, you are, I mean, you are doing so many things. So you're an epidemiologist. You're a journalist. You're also a well-regarded poet. You are also... An author, just an books. author writing all different types of books and just doing like comedy in your spare time. Can you talk to us a little bit about like a big pivot in your life? That's what we always talk about on the podcast. And I'm interested because I have no idea. I'm sure you've had a million pivots, but I just have no idea where, where you could be going. I would say like, you're right. I've had so many pivots because I've like, my career has been a bit all over the place because I've never really followed the kind of career conveyor belt that you're supposed to. But the one pivot I think about a lot, especially nowadays, is when I um, I used to be a hospital doctor in England. Then about 10 years ago, I moved to America to be an officer in the Epidemic Intelligence Service. 
at the CDC in Atlanta. So I was doing outbreak investigations, right? We're hearing a lot about that now and what those officers do. And if you've seen the movie Contagion, I love it. That's what like, Kate Winslet's character has. She's an epidemic intelligence service officer. But then after a few years of doing that, I got really frustrated that whenever I was sent into a hot zone, I was like really focused on the virus that was spreading or the mystery that was spreading and having to try and stop that. When at the same time, I was hearing all the myths, the hoaxes, all the BS that was spreading that was making my job sometimes impossible. And I was thinking, it's so weird that we're just ignoring the contagion of information, like the viral tweets that are making people not get vaccinated. Then you have a measles outbreak in Portland and you have a measles outbreak in Minneapolis. And so that was the point where I was like, I know this is not what we are supposed to do, but I'm going to leave the CDC. I'm going to leave the Epidemic Intelligence Service and I'm going to go to journalism school because I don't know what, but there's going to be something there, I think, where the two meet. And then after I finished that degree in my journalism training, it was, uh, the, it was the middle of 2014 and Ebola was happening in West Africa. And I felt so guilty. I was like, why the hell did I leave the CDC? I have the exact training to be in West Africa right now trying to stop the world's deadliest Ebola outbreak. And my friends and my peers were there. And instead, I was moving to Texas which I'd never even been to Texas for my first ever job as a newspaper reporter at the Dallas Morning News. And I was like, I've made such a silly career decision because why am I going to go write for a local newspaper when Ebola is spreading so badly? And then, of course, like while I was still unpacking my boxes and still moving into Dallas, the first ever imported case of Ebola arrived in Dallas, that poor man who came to Liberia and he died in Dallas. And so then my world really did collide. And ever since then, of course, I've, I've seen it more and more like the strength of having the training in epidemiology and epidemics and the training in journalism. I mean, now especially, but that was a scary time. So I was like, damn, I really effed up. I shouldn't have done that. And then it was like, okay. The universe always prepares you. I didn't know. I, I really love uh, that you went to J school. <laughs> um, I went to J school. And I think that people who go to journalism school and then don't end up doing just straight up uh, newspaper work are some of the best people. They make the best comedians because uh, you learn when I was in J school, the whole point media as the fourth estate, which we've been lacking a great deal in these last four years is basically in a succinct way to make sure that the country understands what you want them to know. And that means everybody in the country. And that's why it transitioned so well into comedy. You want the same thing, right? Journalists and comedians want the exact same thing. I want five minutes of your time and I want you to leave knowing exactly what I'm trying to tell you. All the first five minutes of a news show is it's a tight five baby you know exactly what you're getting you know exactly what you're getting you're getting all the information they leave with the hot stuff right and at the end they give you a squirrel on skis oh my god i in january to come and like do a zoom with my journalism students i think they would love to hear that analogy i didn't go to journalism school but i did work at cnn one time for three days i'll tell you about it that's That's why cnn at one time was like we're gonna do a comedy show like the daily show on cnn that's gonna be like one of our blocks can you come work on it and i was like yeah who's the host and they were like we don't know who the host is yet someone funny and then uh they're like okay let's go to our first meeting on monday and i go to the meeting and campbell brown walks in and they're like this is the host and i was like 
Campbell oh. Brown is not really a comedian. And, and the first thing she said was like, listen, I know they told a bunch of you that this is going to be a comedy show. It's not a comedy show anymore. So let's get cracking and do journalism. And I was like, how do you do journalism? <laughs> You're like, I'm going to, I'll see myself out. Thank you. Thank they you asked so me to stay and I stayed and gave it like the old college try for three days. And then I was like, I won't be completing the week. <laughs> Damn, they switched it up on you. That's so unfair. <laughs> but I did miss the cafeteria. It's a good cafeteria there at CNN in New York. Oh, dang. But we're not giving up on busy show coming back though, right? That's still a project that's in the works, like the petition. I had a weird epiphany today, Casey and Dr. Seema and Shantira. I had this weird epiphany today that like, if the entire show's purpose was that we got some young women into the Writers Guild. We were able to give some young women promotions that maybe would have taken them a much longer time to get somebody to hire them, you know, in that position. And a woman who was maybe a little bit older, you know, because people are ageist. And then the abortion thing, like... Yeah. If that's it, like if that was why we did the whole show, then I think it's it's, it's worth great. it. Yeah, it was worth it. And like, and that's and that can be it. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? it was powerful and beautiful, but to me, it still felt like the beginning of something. It did for us too. Oh no, I'm gonna cry. It, it did for us too. It did for us too. But, but I, you know, but I just feel like I don't fucking know, man. What is anything at this point? I Well, I think it was the beginning of us figuring out that where we were is a changing industry and all these platforms are emerging and these new things. And I think some people are still stuck where they were when I started in this business. Like I remember when I first started in TV, people laughed their asses off that Fox tried to be a network. Like people were like, that'll never, there's never going to be another network. What are you talking about? And I mean, like, look at us now, you know? So I think it's just, um, I think what Busy and I learned and, um, you know, and Shantira certainly too, because she's a young comedy writer and she's out there working on shows that are on these platforms that were never even like dreamed up when, when we first started. Oh, yeah. So I'm I a, think I'm a peacock baby, <laughs> a peacock baby. So I think we're just, I think it was the beginning of us being like, where can we meet people where they are? And this podcast is one way that, you know, kind of feels like an extension of what we were doing. I think it's almost better because I feel like to we be can say whatever have, we want. <laughs> yeah. And also like, we, I don't know, to be able to have like everyone's sort of input to me is really nice. And to be able to have longer conversations, whereas everything had to be so reduced to fit the time constraints of the show, you yeah. know? So like, I don't know. I just think we are in a place <laughs> culturally where we need to like do some fucking deep dives, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And the podcast allowed us to finally have Dr. Seema on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited about your book. (laughs) I think one of the things I'm really excited about too, because you you brought it up, you were talking about like how like you come from the land of free healthcare. And I think that we, everyone in America is Googling stuff. If we could go to the doctor, 
we wouldn't. <laughs> so I, I really do. <laughs> if I could just go to the doctor, like if everybody could just go to the doctor, they mm-hmm. wouldn't be Googling what's wrong with their arm. They don't want to go check with a doctor because it costs like a bajillion dollars just this to is- have someone look at your fucking your arm. Right. Seema, when does your book come out? Uh, January 12th, I want to say. And then I have a book of poems that's coming out April 6th. I can't wait for that, too. I can't Me wait too. for I both of them. Um, I'll talk the- to you about poetry later. <laughs> also, the- guys, if you're listening, three of us here have written books. Shantira, I can't wait for yours. But the pre-orders, <laughs> the pre-orders are kind of everything. So Crucial. why don't why don't you just plug where can where can people go to buy the book? You have a website. Yeah, go to seemayasmin.com. You can see it there. If you Google viral BS and my name, it comes up and there'll be an audio book as well. Although I'm not sure how I'm going to be recording it in a pandemic. But yeah, you can find it online, all good booksellers and look out for the audio book as well. And then follow me on Twitter because it's on my Twitch and I'm always tweeting stuff to do with conspiracies and viral <laughs> BS. So I'm at Dr. Yasmin on Twitter. And listen, guys, Make an effort. Maybe you support a local independent bookseller, uh, black-owned bookseller. Um, maybe that is the way that you pre-order Dr. Seema's book, I think. I love that. Yeah, support some local bookstores in your area. Yeah. I can't wait to see the pictures of your ear canal. Oh, man. <laughs> They're small. <laughs> Dr. Seema, we, we were talking about earlier that we turn to superheroes in times of trouble and you are a real life superhero. No, you're like a superhero because like I said, I believe in you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, get that book on pre-order and um, stop Googling shit. You're not dying. <laughs> thanks for putting this podcast out now. It's such a light, such a lovely thing to listen to. You're so Thank nice. You. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. We have learned so much from Dr. Seema Yasmin. We are better people. We are better people for her being in the world. Hopefully, we're all going to make it through Mm -hmm. this pandemic. I think we will. I think we will. It's good to know that people like Dr. Seema are out there that are so smart and like, Awesome and yeah, it's like I working want to make her in the world a better place. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Um, okay, guys, we are gonna do a letter of advice. Um, but before we do, do we have a merch update, dude? What's happening? I I'm mean, off. I'm off. I'm off emails. I can't do. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't. I can't even look. We have. We have a merch update in that like it's still coming but then we keep adding like oh can we put this and so then it has to go back i just want it to be perfect yeah of course it's okay yeah it's okay okay. people i think (laughs) people i don't know we'll see what happens we'll see if people you know are patient with us and the that they find the merch worth waiting for people like merch yeah do they i don't know yeah yeah We'll see. And I don't, we don't know, know shit about this. I don't know well, shit about anything. I, I will be also say this. Um, mm. Even if you are impatient, you got to wait. So that's just the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But it should be coming soon. And if we're done adding things, then it should be sooner than ever. It should be sooner than ever. We are done <laughs> adding things. No, I know. But we did just add something like yesterday. So <laughs> Two days ago. So like, that was two days ago. 
Okay. But so, yeah. So then if that's the last thing we add and when they send it to us and we don't add anything else, then it should be ready to go. Okay. Well, so guys, keep your hearts and ears and eyes open. But also it don't matter. You got to wait. You just got to wait. So that's the update on the merch. I haven't, I don't think Ray can handle another magic show until after he moves me out of my house. Uh, and although I really want to do, oh shit, but you know what? what? I think I might be hosting a special screening of in and of itself. Oh, oh. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Also so, magic. If you guys watched my Instagram stories from a few weeks ago, I was hysterically crying after watching in and of itself. It's going to be streaming on I think it's Hulu, a service at the end of January, but it's so good. It's like my favorite thing that I've ever seen. And I think we're going to do a special thing. And then their publicist was like, and maybe Derek can be on the podcast. And I was like, maybe, <gasps> maybe, maybe, maybe he can. Wait, um, a, that's a magician. Mm-hmm. That's the magician on the podcast. You have to watch it. Cause it's really like, it's really like a, it's really like a very intense, beautiful one person show about like life and trauma and the things that we hold and like it's really incredible you had me at magician i know i know i know (laughs) i know you had me you had me at magician i'm already in (laughs) very disheartened by i didn't even read the article yet i haven't read anything i haven't watched anything haven't read anything just been weeping in the corner sitting on my hot mat. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I did see that the Magic Castle has a bunch of allegations against it. Um, I don't even know what kind, but that's not great. It's a bummer. I love that place in LA. It's like, that, you know, all your faves are problematic, right? Yes. <sighs> no, we're not. We try yes. really hard not to be problematic. Yeah. We do. We do. I, I yeah. yes. But, you know, there's always, whenever you open your heart to loving someone or something, you have to know that there's a chance. But, you know, you want to know who I truly believe will never let me down? Yeah. Angela Bassett. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. She's yeah. the Correct. only person I truly, besides us, believe in. I genuinely <laughs> believe that Angela Bassett will never let me down. <laughs> I don't think she will ever let you down. Thank I think you. she's always going to be there in the way that we need her to be there. Yeah. yeah and she's so. really, she's a real superhero. Yeah, that's that's it. And I've had people who've met her before and worked on set and like, she, they were like, she knows the PA's names. And I was like, that's how you know. That's a, she is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. I remember reading that like Ryan Gosling was like, you know, a real man of the crew and like, on day two knew every crew member's name and like their hobbies and whatever. And then this actor that I was working with was like, oh yeah. And he taught me the best trick. This isn't Michelle, by the way, blind item. It's not Michelle that told me this. He has um, someone take, like get photos of all the crew members and their names. And he like basically like puts it up and then anything that he finds out about the person. He writes it under there in his trailer. He writes it under there immediately so that he just can like look at it and know who everybody is. I don't know if that's unsubstantiated. I don't know if that's true. Actually, I've never even asked Michelle. I should have because she worked wow. with him. I'm sure she would have seen it. Yeah. But that's how he like gets like is like immediately in with the crew. And then they're like, he's so great. He remembered to ask me if I had any Cheetos today. And it's like, <laughs> he just went to his trailer to pee and saw like, you know, Anthony grip 
likes Cheetos and came back and did that. Like, you know what I mean? It's a trick. It's a magic trick. <laughs> That's oh. really interesting. That's nice that he cares really enough. You know, I nice agree. I think but it's then a little I'm also weird. Like, what's his game? Right. Well, he wants to be he wants to be seen as like part of a collaborative spirit. Yeah. Right. And like sometimes I think a lot of times actors want there to be like a very clear delineation that they are the star and they should be like sort of catered to in a certain way and talked to and treated in a certain way and like don't make eye contact and like all that weird shit right. that people have you've heard those horror stories. Yes. But there's lots of actors that like want genuinely they're like there to do something that they really love and they know that like the majority of the crew is also there to do something that they love. So I think that it's a way of like trying to say like, I know that there's a disparity in the way that like I'm seen in the world, but when we're on this set, like we're all just in it together. I think it's nice. I like that. But then this cynical part of me is like, is he like a sociopath? No, I think that is he like, (laughs) this is really going to mean a lot to them. If I remember their name and that they like Cheetos. Like, Oh, Oh yeah. That's interesting. You know, this is going to mean a lot. Oh, I don't know. I think they're going to love. I never occurred. I never, that part never occurred to me. What more occurred to me was that he wanted to be like George Clooney. Um, You know, on talk shows, guests, famous people come in, they sit down, they do their interview. Usually sometimes they'll say like, hello to you or nod to you or whatever. David Arquette, every show that he's ever been a guest on that I've worked on, he individually goes up to every person on the staff and crew that comes into his line of vision and says, hey, I'm David. Nice to meet you. What's your name? And then remembers your name and, you know, just Aww. talks to you all night. And I- That's so nice. I love him forever for that. He's like one of my top three celebrities. He and I were on Watch What Happens Live together once. Do you yeah. remember? Yeah. He's the best. He yeah. was always, he's always been so nice. I really and like And you just David. get the feeling that like, oh, this guy really does want to know my name and like say hi to me. I don't that's know so if nice. that's the case, but that's how I feel. I think so, that's right. That tracks on, for me. But there are also like, yeah, but there are also people that, I mean, like even on our show, you know, it was wild. Like you would, you know, people, most people that came in were really nice to the. Well, yes. it's interesting who like, Patty LaBelle was the nicest. The best. She can't say it. Hated everybody. She gave us hi. And it's like, you want to know who did not have to do that? Patty Patty LaBelle. LaBelle. Patty LaBelle. You know what I mean? Nobody would have been mad at her. Nobody. If if Patty LaBelle showed up, did her her thing, closed Mm -hmm. the door, and never said a word to us, I would have been like, she is the diva. You know what I mean? But she did not. She was so nice and it's like and that's what I always like, happens it's the people definitely who one or two divas that really really did not deserve to be that way you know <laughs> it's, it's like always girl. it is often the person who is the you know is the highest pinnacle of icon that is just lovely 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 and then sometimes somebody who you're like listen I could like take you or leave you so you know that that is like giving you a rough time I have to say as a bitch who's been doing this since she was a fucking teenager, I really do think that's true. Because I've seen it. a lot of people come and go, and I've seen a lot of people be real fucking hot for a second, fall out of favor, like do whatever. And you always know the one thing that that person is missing. You can like spot it. Yeah. And if you're like unsure, it's probably that they're an asshole. <laughs> yeah yeah i think it's um, so true too because even like it doesn't matter how long it takes 
it might take 30 or 40 years. That's they might, wh- oh, it, yes! also, also, they could die. People like be like these days, people will be dead and they'll be like, yeah, but you know, that person was this. And you'd be like, damn, well, I right. guess in the afterlife, I hate them. So like eventually it all catches up. <laughs> it all catches up. It all catches up. All right. Do we have time for this uh, question? People have been asking yeah. for some advice. Okay. Yeah. Hey, hi there. I really admire and respect you three women a lot. I'd love to get your advice on a work situation. After several years of hustling and putting in the work, I finally landed my dream job just before COVID hit. Ugh, that sucks. I'm sorry. However, as I started to get to know my boss more, I quickly realized she is less than a dream. She's a great person, but just not great at doing the things a boss should do. Her follow through is non-existent. She shows no interest in seeing any of my team's projects come to life, and she is incredibly flaky. At first, I blamed it on the pandemic and gave her a lot of grace. Without going into too much detail, it's quite clear that sans pandemic, she would behave the exact same way. Now I'm in a place where I either speak up and ask for accountability or risk becoming really unhappy with this situation and give up everything I've worked for. My question for you is this, how do I ask my boss to be a better boss or do I need to accept her behavior and modify my expectations? Wow, this is a great question. It's a good this question. This is a great question. Thanks for all you do with the podcast. It means a lot to me. Love you all. Oh, thanks. It means H, a lot we to love us. you too. It means a lot to us that you love you too. Have reached out and have this. I think that the two questions that you're asking here are the best two questions because these really are the only questions, right? How do I how, if I decide to ask my boss to meet me at a place that I want them to meet me at. How do I do it? Or do I need to just accept this is who she is? And do I need to modify my own expectations? This is like a wild, truly interesting question. Yeah. (laughs) I think what is, what do you think? It's Casey. You've been a boss a lot. I have been. And I think that one thing that's weird that happens a lot is sometimes people get to be bosses without being trained in how to be a boss. And it's really weird because you just think like, oh, I'm good at this job. And then they promote me. And now suddenly I'm in a supervisory position and I'll just naturally be good at that. But like we were just talking about, like being a leader is a different thing. You know, maybe that's the case with her or maybe it's not. Maybe she had like exceptional management training and she's just not cut out for it. My advice is what you can control is yourself. So I think if you go to this person and you say, listen, hey, you're like really beefing it. You're not a great boss. That is not a place you want to be coming from. Nobody's going to respond well to that. But what I think you can control is you might be able to go to her and say, listen, I'm feeling kind of rudderless in my job and I'm feeling like I don't know whether I'm meeting your expectations. I don't know if I'm meeting the company's expectations. If our team is. If our team is. So it would be helpful to me if you were to give me regular feedback on how I'm doing and if I'm doing the job that I'm here to do because I want to do a really good job for you. I just am unable to tell at this moment. And then... 
maybe she will. Maybe that's like what will get her to be like, oh shit, like I'm in charge of this person and they're looking to me for cues on whether or not they're succeeding and I'm dropping the ball. So I do think because, you know, BFF Emily Beebe has been in a position of bossing before. And I do think that the one thing that people should be aware of, and maybe this applies to you, H., is I don't know how old your boss is and I don't know how old you are. But I do think that there can be somewhat of a trap of like like wanting positive feedback and affirmation. And generationally, if a person is like Gen X, that's not necessarily... And look, by the way, maybe that's a thing you need. And if it is a thing you need, then I... It's not, you know, my place to say you shouldn't have it. But I think that that there can occasionally be a disconnect in how people view work feedback and what is required from a boss. My experience with Emily and like, I think that she had found that a lot of times there were some workers under her who were really looking for her to like, be sort of consistently telling them that they were doing a good job. And she was always like, I don't need to tell you that you're doing a good job. Just I'll tell you if something is wrong. And I know that that's maybe that's not necessarily like the right way to do it. You know what I mean? But like, that's how we were sort of Mm -hmm. brought up. It's like that scene from Mad Men when um, Peggy's mad at Don and she's like, you never say thank you. And he yells, that's what the money's for. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a great fucking scene. That's such a great fucking... What? You haven't watched Mad Men? I don't watch stuff when it's all white people. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry to go back to Banana Republic, but when I worked there, they were doing a Mad Men clothing line. I think I remember that. And they did a thing where like you could win a like a a, like a like an extra role. Like you walk in and bring Don some papers. And I was just like, "Uh, do you want to enter? You can automatically enter to win this walking role. And I'll never forget this black girl goes, it ain't no roles for me on that show. And I was like, you right. You want these coupons? Like this is not a reward for you. So I've never seen Mad Men. Uh, Shout out to that show. But like, I don't watch shit when there's no black people. (laughs) That's a good point. Uh, That's a really good point. Um, I mean, there's like stuff that I like that doesn't have black people, but like if that was on, like I would have watched it, but like, I'm not in the process now of being like actively watching one hour dramas that I'm never going to see myself reflected in. Um, I think that this is really hard because I think it also depends on like the job because I, Mm. um, when I worked at some places and I was like, I can quit this job. I don't need this job. I would just be like tell my boss about themselves uh but then there were instances where i like had three jobs and one of those bosses was a literal terrible he's like a terrible man just terrible as a human being like a bad person and i just like i had to keep working there because i needed my 12 dollars. so i think there is an aspect of like uh gritting and bearing it but like is this a job that you plan on sticking around for a really long time because if you want to I think what Casey said was like you owe it to yourself to at least try to make it a situation that you want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you would be asking this if you weren't in a situation you felt like you could speak up. So I think that like I'm always one of being like, what is best for you? And if 
this person is going to continue being this way and you do nothing, I mean, are you eventually going to have to quit because everything's so terrible? Or like, do you want to at least try to make this a place that you want to be at? Uh, And if the answer is you don't want to try, then maybe that's a different question. But if it is a thing that you want to try, um, I agree with Casey. It's like figuring out a way to not tell your boss that she's bad uh, because we don't want someone who's in power over you um, being upset. (laughs) Well, I hope it all works out, H, because it sounds like you do really like your job. And And you deserve to like it. You deserve to keep having it. Yeah, and I think Casey's advice is probably the best one. Um, guys, what do you think? What do you think about this, like Hanks on a Banks, like uh, whatever, like that whole thing that everybody's doing? I don't want to. I'm not going to do. I don't. It. I don't understand. It was I, funny Mank? when Garcelle did it. We well, did Garcelle start it on no. Pharrell? Yes, I think she Wait, did. I don't think she did. Oh, I, yeah, I wanted, did. That's the I first know, one I saw. I don't, I don't understand what's going on. I know I saw some stuff, but I didn't do enough digging. Was it? Did it have it's something like to do? You've seen Elf on the Shelf, but how about Garcelle on Pharrell? And so it's like a, almost like oh. she photoshopped herself on Pharrell's shoulder. And so like it's a little bit of like a puzzle joke where you're trying to figure out what the rhyme is. That seems fun. And then a bunch of celebrities started doing it. And then I felt so bad because I was like getting sort of irritated by it. And then I was like, are celebrities not allowed to have fun? I don't know what it was about it that was like pushing my buttons. Oh, oh, wait, you are, you were the, you are, sorry. You, I don't know why I doubted you. I, that was just a real, that was a real Mark move with me <laughs> to tell you that you didn't know what you're talking about. Um, it all started when the real co-host Garcelle she shared an image of a tiny version of herself with Pharrell. And then it became a meme and everybody loves it. Banks was next. See, I knew Banks was early. Yeah, she was. Banks on the Hanks, whatever. Have you heard of Hanks on a Banks or whatever? I think and I still then, would have liked it at that point. <laughs> yeah. And then Grease on Reese, I guess. Pushed who did Ryan Seacrest do? I don't know who that what person the is. What the Seacrest rhyme with? Ryan? Maybe it's Ryan. Ryan. Brian, like Luke Bryan on Ryan or something like that. Oh. Okay. I don't know. I, Luke Bryan is a person, right? That's a famous person? Yeah, sure. It's a okay. um, country singer, I think. Then I'm going to tell you that's who this is because that's, I bet you that that's, I don't know who this person is, but I bet <laughs> you that's who it is. And it's then it. Carrie Washington did Perry on Carrie. Katy Perry. Um, a Grinch on Mariah Carey. What? Who's that? I don't get that. Oh, Jim Carrey. Oh, Jim Maybe Carrey. Like, uh, Maybe but why Carrie is he dressed like the Carrey? Carrey on guys. That can you rhyme the same word? I I guess I mean, technically isn't it, it the same rhyme. word? Carrey on Carrey. I think I don't if, think you, I, no. I don't think you can rhyme a word the same word a word with the same word. Mariah can do whatever she wants. Well, yeah. that's true. That's also actually 100% have you listened to true. rap these days? Am I an old <sighs> granny? You can definitely <laughs> rhyme your the same word with the same word. <laughs> well, anyway, there a ton of people have done it, and then I saw a girl did busy on Lizzie. She tags me, and I thought that was cute, but I'm not going to do it because I couldn't think of anyone. To rhyme with either Phillips or Busy. I mean, Lizzie, yeah. I guess. But Lizzie's the same wor- name, essentially. Mm. What would oh, you be, yeah. Shantira? 
I mean, probably Tira. I could probably Tira. On, is there anybody out there named Mira? <laughs> Sorvino. Mira Sorvino. That's actually there. Really we go. Good. Tira on Mira. Like there we go. Okay, I like that one. Casey, what's yours? Um, Casey on Tracy Ellis Ross. I was gonna say Tracy. Tracy on Casey. I was trying not to say Kevin Spacey. Oh yeah, he bad. I think Tracy Ellis Ross is a good one. She's like a good yes. Tracy. Yes. And, Link, and you could get Lincoln loves Tracy Ellis. Ross. And you could get like a good picture <laughs> of her like squatting on your shoulder. Yeah, exactly. But what Done. am I doing? Like uh, li- uh, busy on Dizzy Gillespie. There you go. <laughs> dizzy, dizzy on busy. Oh, that's yeah. good. Yeah. There that you know. is good. Well, now we've done it, so we don't have yeah, to do it. Yeah, and we're never going to post any pictures about it, so I'm happy y'all got to hear it. <laughs> um, we worked it out. Uh, well, guys, we're getting close to, honestly, something. I don't know what, but we're we're getting there. We're always you guys, on the way. We're on the way. Uh, for you at home, please subscribe. Please download. Please share our podcast because... Um, I don't fucking know. It's just how it works, okay? <laughs> this is what we're supposed to this is what you're supposed to do. Podcasts are weird. This is all very strange. But we <laughs> like that you want to hang out with us and we like it because we like hanging out with each other and actually I feel so much better now. And Aww. if you want, you can email us at busydoinghherbest at gmail.com. You can email if you want to join a group chat because we're going to do another round of those. And Laura that's says amazing. have it in by January 1st. Oh, wow. That's a deadline. Boy, oh boy, is it ever. And I'm going to work on this gift guide. Maybe I'll have it up. I'll work on like some sort of something. I'm going to figure it all out. I'm hungry now all of a sudden. Yeah, I'm oh, going to go get a Christmas tree and eat some dinner. That sounds delightful. <laughs> I have to go to bed because I got to work again tomorrow and I have to have a notary come over and sign the papers that say that my house doesn't belong to me anymore um okay guys on that note (laughs) we love you thank you you for hanging out we love you and we'll talk (laughs) sending you you love whatever you're going through just know it's temporary baby i promise bye bye Oh no.